the Academy Award-winning director, Steven Soderbergh. Brett Favre claims not to know what a podcast is. You know, I have a podcast, Brett. Did you know that? Um, no, you don't know what a podcast is. <laughs> Reggie Wayne, Brett Edward. I had a, a, a pet snake mm-hmm. by the name of Law. I'm not a snake fan. I don't like snakes. Buy the snake in the house. I get a, a, a text on my two-way. Law dead. <laughs> Chris Cooley threatened to prank call me. Tyson, how are you? This is David Dunn. Did I see No, you didn't because I'm recording this thing right oh, now, no, dude. No, no. This You're is the, the podcast. Uh, you the Andy best. Reed did not call Tim Tebow last night. <laughs> too much. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the post-NFL draft edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. Back from New York City, although I wouldn't say fresh back from New York City. There's nothing more <laughs> physically taxing and more, uh, I guess, demanding than uh, sitting on your behind for three straight days in Radio <laughs> City Music Hall um, and then flying home. But uh, I'm back and uh, I'm excited because the draft is in the books. We can now start OTAs. We can start mini camps. We can start speculating how rosters are going to be formed. We can talk about what was done, what wasn't done. And it's another piece to the puzzle. So you saw how certain teams went free agent and then filled the rest with the draft or they didn't do something in free agent like, say, the uh, Green Bay Packers did not address their running back position in free agency, but boy, did Ted Thompson hit that hard in the draft with Eddie Lacy and Jonathan Franklin. It's just more pieces to the puzzle. The Miami Dolphins did everything except get a tackle, then went through the draft without getting a tackle. Now they're having a revolving door of free agents from Bryant McKinney and uh, Tyson Claybo and the like through their doors. It's just another piece of the puzzle that's just getting put together before uh, all of the OTAs and uh, mini camps, and then eventually training camps. Good to see you, Chris Brockman. Good to see you. Great Rich, job. How are on, you? Great job on putting the uh, the special together. Thank once you, sir. Again. Great job with the hosting. Do you know how many hours you were in the seat? Did you Did you do the math? Yes, twenty seven. Wow. <laughs> did I stutter? <laughs> twenty seven. That's okay. It's okay. It's a pretty big matzo ball there, Chris Rich. Law. Good to see you, sir. Rich, good to see you. Good to see you. Always and the a laughter is a is a, a, a fan <laughs> favorite and a favorite of ours. Returning to the podcast, we spent many of those twenty seven hours directly to my left, Charles Davis. Good to see you, sir. Great to see you again, Rich. I did not put in twenty seven when you, I heard well, that you did number. Close to that. When I heard that number, that is a strong number. And and may I just throw this in really fast? Sure. Remember what the number used to be. Um, more than that, way right? more than that. Well, we used because, to do long, long pregames. You, but we you did, were you did more of the pregame. Well, they stuff only had us do an hour run. before the draft, right? You remember you Thursday to, night, Rich? You used to handle all the pregame. Yeah, go into the draft, come back the next day, handle the pregame, do the draft, and then finish the last day. Now the pregames progressively got shorter, mm-hmm. but it, but you did all hours. All shows. Now, the beauty, the beauty well, he now. Was, he was younger, Charles, <laughs> and, had no, and had no kids. <laughs> no children. That's why, that is that's a great why, equalizer for all of us. That's why towards the end of the draft on Saturday, I said, uh, you know, because I mentioned, because right. we heard Call Me Maybe blaring in the right. background of a pick, and I mentioned that how my son, two-and-a-half-year-old, two-year-old Cooper, loves it, and I'm like, Cooper's in it. Dad is coming home. Yeah. Coming home. Dad is coming home soon. I'm going to come home soon. Before, but the before Friday, kids. The, the Friday pregame was 
was just as long, though. We yeah. did three hours before the Friday draft. That was a long one. And, and then Saturday, all told together, 27 hours. That's, but it's that's all strong. Fun. 27 it's fun. large. It's fun. It's fun. It's, fun. it's it a lot fun. of fun. And, and um, you know, the people in the trucks and the people who put this together over here in Phenomenal. the PCRs in Los Angeles, it's not just people sitting in that truck on 51st Street in between 5th and 6th in Manhattan. It's a whole host of people here. People in NFL films putting it all together. I think they said uh, Bill Smith, uh, who is the researcher, researcher for us there, said that they had bios on all but ten of the draftees, which is un- set is up in our research books. All but so that's two hundred fifty-six kids were well, picked, two hundred forty-six bios. If we got through all of it in our studies before it. It was a bit in front of our eyes. That they only had ten that they didn't have that got picked. That is, yeah. But that's beyond what the I pale. do. What I do essentially for the draft is set up my analysts, mm-hmm. make sure that the trades that are coming in, I understand what it's what what the uh, what the trade acquisition was for, uh, how much it cost for a team to move up, what it meant in the draft order, what it might mean for the pick if I'm speculating. Also, later on in the draft, if the picks have been swapped previously, like, hey, this is the pick that the Rams got in the RG3 trade. Hey, this is the Carson Palmer pick for the Bengals atop the second round, which closes out that deal finally. We got to the clock in the second round. The Saints would have picked here, but this is the the final final bounty penalty. Like, that's my job to place that sort of stuff in perspective. And then when a pick is made, challenge you guys, you, Mayock, Daniel Jeremiah, Everyone else, and the fact that you know all of these kids off the top of your heads when they're picked, you know who they are, you understand what tape you've seen, you remember, hey, you remember uh, that game against Baylor? They look great there. You put the Mississippi tape you guys, on. You and, guys I mean, thing. it's unbelievable to me how you and Mayock and Daniel just know that's a billick, know that stuff off the top of your heads. It, well, it boggles my day mind. Day three during Stump the Truck, you guys did a thing and you guys played some – crappy through the Colorado school of mine. And Charles is like, they got a left tackle, though, that is just out <laughs> and they were showing the And I about lost it. I was like, this is yeah. just out of this world. Yeah. How many hours of footage do you think you watched going into the draft? I, I truly don't know. You I lost don't track. Know, you had but, to lose track. I don't know. I just know it's not nearly as many as Mike does. That, that part I know because of what, what right. he does. But what was fun, Rich, and I think you saw it while we were on set, is when we got to that stage with some of these guys coming off. You know, we're not always on camera, mm-hmm. and we, we know most of the time when we're not, because you, you understand this too. When, <laughs> when, when some of those names pop up, when we start looking at each other on set, okay. Who's going to get him? You, you gonna got, get him? Do, 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 do you know him? Who's do you know him? him? Do you know him? Now, it's precious few that out of, let's say, it's me, Mike, and Daniel on day three. That out of the three of us, one of us is going to have something. It's just, it's just we're lucky enough that across the board, at least one of us will have something. I'm proud to report that this year, when I did that across the board, I felt more unanimity this year. Meaning, yeah, I got that, I got that. All three of us kind of had something in most of them. Now, I will say, was it BJ, Rufus Johnson? What's his name, Rufus Johnson from Tarleton State? Tarleton State. Right, you remember Tarleton State? You're asking the wrong crew. That was <laughs> one. That was one. He went to the Saints. That was one. I felt like we all kind of went. Mm. 
You didn't now, have that? Is that, that was we finally stumped the analysts? Yeah, I think, I think you might have got us. Now, I won't hold Mike and Daniel to that one. It's just recollection. It's a little fuzzy now. Rufus Johnson, defensive end, 183rd pick overall, sixth round, final pick of the Saints draft to Tar- from Tarleton State, everybody. 64266. Where yeah. is Tarleton State? It's in Texas. Okay. It's Stephenville, Texas. And if I'm not mistaken, their nickname is the Tarleton Texans. But Why wouldn't it be? we didn't have him. But you know what? The reason I bring that up is this is a proud moment for the league. And, and you know, we're all part of the league. The regional combines, all right? They almost, when they've got started, they felt like, okay, Vince Papalish. <laughs> right? You know, when I'm, I'm hearing Vince, about the regional combines, I go, oh, boy, we're going to try and find that guy and mm-hmm. we're going to make a movie and the whole deal. He comes out of it, and there was a young man from UMass who got drafted later. Both of them came out of regional combines. So for the league, this is phenomenal because now they've expanded, given people opportunity. And now that you give them opportunity, the teams in the league thought they were good enough to spend draft choices on. That means that what you did was worth it. It works. And now I'm not saying they expand it. Oh, no, you should say that. They're going to do they're that. They're going to expand it, and they're going to put more emphasis on it. Well, we're, we're going to start televising it, I'm sure yeah, of that. Yeah, I'm sure. I and, mean, you start thinking about that. That's what the league, that's what the commissioner's talking about, about – Expanding the uh, the non playing season, the off season. If and we I get mentioned to that May, up. you said it. I said it. That's you good. said it. Let, we're, let me going, tell you we're going to May. I, I, <laughs> I believe next year. Look up. Look this up for me because I don't know. Being a Jew, <laughs> when is Easter next year? Look up. Look up Easter 2014, uh, Chris Law. As you do that, I'll also mention how I love this it show. Is, uh, and, and can you put Passover right in there and let's go you, context? No, hold on, right? hold on, let's hold on, hold on And 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 uh, before you say that, I'm excited. Like because I got I have you. I've spent all this time with you, and you know all of this stuff, soup to nuts, in the most conventional fashion. Matt Taibbi of Rolling Stone, who wrote this fascinating, hilarious, and also. Uh, in all too many ways, spot on blog uh, leading up to the draft about his philosophy of the draft and what GMs should do in order to have successful drafts. He uh, was on Dan Patrick's radio show last week. I think Simmons had him on his podcast. Uh, they had him leading up to the draft. We've got him on coming after the You've draft. You've got a guy from Rolling, Rolling Stone, Stone magazine? magazine? Rolling Stone Magazine. All right, cool. that is so cool. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm still of that era. He's dropping the mic right I'm, there. Listen, I'm still of that era. If you said Rolling Stone Magazine... That's where the hippest, the coolest, the mo- the smartest. Oh, you, Matt, Matt is all, all of that. that. You just all right? described when, Matt. When you say Rolling Stone magazine, whenever they had a profile on someone, mm-hmm. it was not only it was must read, and you you just said to yourself, that person has something. If Rolling Stone magazine is going to put them in their in their edition, that's the era I come from. Well, I mean, I've never spoken to Matt. I mean, and I've always wanted to because I've read his read his work and uh, follow him on on Twitter. He, I'm excited to have him. I'm all over I mean, listening that, to that because that sounds like what, 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 what he is and what I he, cannot what wait he, for that. Almost be. famous. So, I mean, come on. Yeah, thank so, you. So, when is when is uh, when is when is Easter e- next year? Easter next year is on Sunday, April twentieth. Okay, so now here's the deal. Here's the deal. That's really that, late. That reeks of a draft Sunday. And when I asked the commissioner on the podcast on the podcast last week for the listeners of this show and I assume you put it on the television show. I can't remember Richard so long ago. <laughs> okay. Not, me too. I can't How many hours ago was I asked that? him if this so is going to be the last draft we ever have in April because they are trying to what they'd love to do I think after the Super Bowl is start those regional combines and have the guys who succeed advance to the combine to the combine that they get a spot in the combine. That's what I thought. And yeah. those who don't get the spot in the combine maybe become the, uh, you know, the American Idol third place winners who still, you know, win Oscars. 
like right. like um, Jennifer, Hudson. Jennifer, Jennifer Hudson, right? So so they'll still be noticed. They'll still get those sixth round choices spent on them. But those who truly excel will wind up being there for the big show that will be say March. Yeah, and then pro March. days and everything gets pushed back. Draft in May, and Mayock won't be able to hit Marion until mid-May. Yeah, you know, essentially, angry. he'll be angry. <laughs> well, he'll, he'll be, be angry. angry either way. He'll be angry. So, <laughs> so um, you know, that's what I think's coming. I think it's coming because, and and next year, the reason why I bring up Easter is the commissioner said he doesn't think Radio City Music Hall is available for the draft <laughs> no, this, next this year. Serious. And I asked There's him. I asked him. I said that to him. I said, "Well, uh, what act? Yeah, it's gonna trumps s- the NFL." In Radio City Music Hall, and his answer was the Easter Bunny. The Easter Bunny, that whatever Easter spectacular that Radio City holds every year, you know, that's that they do. So, the, <laughs> so, so the NFL may not. Well, I'm saying is this. All I'm saying is right. this is that if the league is looking for an excuse to try May out as a trial, the Easter not, Bunny. I, I bet you next year, Easter Bunny. It's, it's as you know, the 21st century phrase yep. is is, and I said this, I think on the uh, on the draft coverage, the 20 the phrase of the 21st century thus far, clubhouse leader is. I'm not. Saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. You so the league, the league is going to be like, we're not saying. That it won't. It's going to be in May every year. But all we're saying is it's got to be in May this year because because of the Easter Bunny, and then when it goes without a hitch, like every draft let's does, just leave it. We'll just leave it. Plus, I'm you. listen, Easter Bunny has incredible power anyway. Despite, <laughs> right, or just dis- a lot of energizer right? batteries within. <laughs> despite great measurables on right, the Easter Bunny. Right, listen, the despite despite the Easter Bunny getting beaten down by Silent J and Bob in Mall Rats. <laughs> Yes. All right. Other than in Mall Rats when they beat up the Easter Bunny. Charles Davis just right? went Mall Rats. Everybody. Up a notch. Okay. Up a notch in my book, okay. Charles. All right. Despite them taking out the Easter Bunny because they thought the Easter Bunny had taken out their guy, had beaten up, you know, their man, even though he hadn't. Oh, man. They beat him up. Mayock with his stripes references. <laughs> right. And you, you go all over the place. Mayock only knows stripes. That's you, the only thing he knows. What did he say? To, what did he say? To oh, here's, Ivan, he, he said here's a great right, story. I've told classic. you this story. Here's a story, and I will share it with the podcast <laughs> listeners. Right. The reason now. we can share it is Mike told it on himself. Well, I, I, no, I, I told and you were there, I, I, though. I was, you I'm were there. You, I was there. But Mike so, told us at the table at dinner on, uh, on Saturday oh, night. Yeah. Remember, oh, he told is, it on I, himself. It's it's I told this to many people that week, <laughs> that day, moments after it happened, and I'm going to tell. I'm going to share with everyone. Am I writing down time codes? No, you're not. Okay, you're not. <laughs> you are not. But when Taibi comes on later, you might have to write down All a time right, code. So uh, the movie Draft Day that we've mentioned, I think, on, on this podcast, and his people have heard about it. It's the uh, fictional. A draft movie that's coming out. The NFL has given its imprimatur or imprimatur, or whatever you pronounce it, on it. So the 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 movie could use all the marks and logos and team names and everything. So it's basically following the Cleveland Browns draft, I think, of 2014. The general manager is played by Kevin Costner. The coach is um, uh, the coach is Matthew Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary. Dennis, Dennis Leary. No, Matt McConaughey's not in it. No, he's not. No. Oh, I thought Dennis was... Leary. Dennis Leary is the coach. What's Kevin Dunn play? Kevin Dunn, who we saw there, the actor Kevin Dunn, I believe, Very plays cool. I, plays a. Uh, some official of the Cleveland Browns. Franklin Delano. Doesn't, doesn't well, like P. Yeah, Diddy, Franklin P. Diddy plays well, yeah. an P. Diddy plays an agent or something. Like Sorry, that too. Puff Daddy plays an agent. Puff Daddy is in it, yeah. and he was uh, in the house. Know, he you was know there. Plays, I saw you, know, him. you know who plays the uh, the running back is Arian Foster. Oh, nice. Who was there as well? Sort of like a Ray Allen. He got game type moment for oh, him nice. where he's going to have awesome. to act. He's got some serious chops, and he can his, do it. His dad in the movie is played by Terry Crews. Oh, wow. so but it's all about one single draft day. So they wrote uh, a script about a draft day. Now, how do you make it real? Well, you shoot it in the real Radio City Music Hall like they did. 
and you also have ESPN personalities and NFL Network people calling the draft like it's a regular draft using the fake names and everything else, make Very it cool. seem real. So they had Berman, Gruden, and Kuyper shot the stuff for on the ESPN set, and Mayock, uh, Dion, and I shot the NFL Network ones on our set. They had us come in after the Thursday night, prior to the Friday stuff, they had us come in and shoot the fake scenes. Okay, wow. And the uh, the owner of the Browns, I have one scene where I'm interviewing him, sort of like the way I interviewed Bob McNair of the draft years ago when he was physically there after they trade they, they got Mario Williams instead of Reggie Bush. Instead of Reggie Bush. And I had him on the set one-on-one. So it's happened before. So I'm interviewing the owner of the Browns, who is played by... Frank Langella. Frank Langella. How cool is that? from He-Man back in the well, day? Well, that's one way to that's look at it. That's one way to go at it. He yeah. also Nixon. Good night and good luck. Right. Frost Nixon. President Nixon. There, right. yeah, there, yeah. there are other more highbrow. What was it? Body of Evidence? With Madonna, all of that stuff, man. <laughs> Remember that Frank one? Frank Langella, a stage actor. He's okay. awesome. So he comes up to me and he's wearing sunglasses because he feels that the owner—that's his thing. Yep. And he's he wears sunglasses. And they and never came off. They never, never, never came, came off. off. So, so he then comes up to me. Now I'm through. This is the Thursday before the Friday. We got this three is Friday, hours. Of, this is Friday morning after Thursday night. You guys after came back Thursday night. Look, they come back short sleep. Because they had to come Short in rest. early. Short right? rest. This, this, is, this is the day game after the night game day that game went extra night. innings. Day game right? after that, night. And, and he's the catcher who caught, and now has to come back and catch the day three, game. He's and it's, there. And it's th- we've got the three-hour pregame, and then the whole second and third round that night. Yep. Short so, sleep. So I'm, I'm, I haven't really – let's look – I haven't really looked at the script. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so I the asked si- them. Sides, Rich, the director, the director is Ivan Reitman, who directed Stripes, which is why we bring this all up, and I will eventually bring this all home. Oh, sure. He will bring it home. So, so the script is sitting on the, on the desk, and I skim it over <laughs> as Frank Langella walks up. Oh, boy. And he, they introdu- Ivan Reitman introduces Frank Langella to me, something I never thought in a million years How when cool. I was a young kid going cool. to see Ghostbusters and Stripes <laughs> and Meatballs, ever thought this would happen. How great is this? Nor did I think this line would be said in my, my direction. <laughs> so Frank Langella says to me, very nice to meet you, Rich. I'm like, I'm a big fan of yours, uh, Mr. Langella. Nice to meet you. And he goes, uh, well, I don't know very much about football. But I do know, you know, this is a great script. It's a wonderful script. Uh, and I said, I'm, it's this an is honor. Frank Langella, Frank Langella saying. saying this to me. And I said to him, well, it's an honor that I'm going to be doing a scene with you. And he goes, well, would you like to run through our lines? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you run lines Frank with Frank Langella. Langella wants me to run lines. Of course I'm going to run lines. I don't know the lines, but I'm running lines. <laughs> <laughs> with Frank Langella. How crazy Damn is that? Damn straight I'm running lines. Yes, sir. Oh, awesome. man, I was guessing. I was pulling <laughs> my ass. <laughs> Sorry, you gotta believe. <laughs> you gotta believe it now. I really was, and at one, you know, his name was uh, Anthony Molina. I called him Alfred. You know, the the actor, whatever. <laughs> Got through it though. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Man's Did the a- scene with him. Reason why I bring this all up is because you like f- to name drop. It's because no, it's no, because this is good. It's this because is, on trust the, me, this on is the, good. On the <laughs> on the Wednesday before. The Thursday and the Friday. So two days earlier. Two days earlier, before we're sh- after the mock draft, after all that, before we're shooting our our hits for total access, and then Mayock's got to stay after and do his, his mock, mock draft, draft show. Yeah. All of that. We have a meeting with Ivan Reitman, the director, wants to meet me, Dion, and and Mayock. Dion doesn't show. <laughs> 
but it's me and me and Mayock sitting there. Okay, does and Mayock, need, you know, as you know, Mayock does not suffer anything if it's taken him away from his, from his preparation. Time. His time. His he's time. He's in now. If he's not texting somebody or if he's, he's not on, free on to text phone. somebody or he's not on the phone or he's not watching film or he doesn't have his face in his books and he's not setting his board and he's not doing TV grinding. for all of that stuff, if he's not grinding, he's not doing something. Okay? <laughs> That's Mayock at the draft. But he did this meeting with Ivan Reitman, and I am guarantee you the only reason why is because Ivan Reitman directed Stripes. stripes. Period. If, if Ivan Reitman had only done Citizen Kane, he's not a dead <laughs> Not out. 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 No chance. Stripes. Why, so we why, have this why meeting. Why would I do that? We have this meeting. Orson Welles, too. We have this meeting. <laughs> exactly. Off out. to the side of Radio City, right by, right by uh, one of the orchestra pits. On the left side, if you're looking at the stage. There we're standing there. We go over this. We talk this. We talk that. We're done with the meeting. And then he looks at Ivan Reitman. He goes, can I ask you a question? He goes, yeah. He goes, did you direct Stripes? And I look at my. I want to say, Mike, you and I have had this conversation. When you do not trust me, he goes, "Yes, I directed Stripes." Then he starts unloading the cachet of all the lines, killing one after the other. One I, I, I don't was wear he, underwear. Just, chicks he, dig me. Was he just bitten? Lighten up, did, Francis. Did go, all of it. Did he go Gatling gun on it? He just went just, bam, boom one after. Did another. he go Mark oh, Wahlberg? Oh, oh, Mark, oh. Mark Wahlberg lightning round with Ted. Ivan Reitman is smiling, big smile on his face. <laughs> Loving this, going back and forth. They're having a good conversation. He asked him about Bill Murray, this, the other thing. And then finally, he just goes, Ivan, I got to tell you, man. <laughs> Stripes is one of the best movies of all time, right up until you go to Germany. <laughs> right at the halfway point. And I look at Mike, and I'm like, Mike, you don't have to always evaluate everything. Oh, he man. told Ivan Reitman, Stripes is one of the greatest movies of all time, right, right. up until it goes to Germany. That and was beautiful. Then, then it, it's, not, it's not as good. You know what I thought of? He know? told that right. <laughs> and Ivan Reitman goes, well, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a native of Czechoslovakia, so it was a reason to go home. Because I think they did shoot it in the Czech they Republic. Did. They did. Because, you know, that's where he's from. He had, I mean, that how, was how I mean, that? Mike, not everything has a tape. And an eye in the sky, and sometimes you got to lie. That was beautiful. Or just don't say it. Classic. Just, just, be, just be omission. It doesn't have to be. It's a long story, but, but no, all of my stories are that right long. Right till they go. Right till they go to Germany. It's almost like Seth MacFarlane at the Oscars this year, which, mm. which was my favorite part of him hosting. My absolute favorite was the Lincoln. All right, when he, I forgot exactly what the joke was. You know, the the easy. You know, as Mike would call it, the low-hanging fruit. Yes. You know, something about the hole in the head. I remember, know. Remember the whole audience. And people. Remember all this. Ooh. And then remember his the classic follow-up. too soon? Is the classic follow-up is like, oh, 150 years? Still too soon? Still too <laughs> soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's that, right. And I thought to myself, now that's good. That's, that's, uh, that's talent. Mayock, man. That's Holy beautiful. Crow. Right till they go to Germany. And they were taping that they were taping that all week long before Saturday's yes. draft. Yeah. The commissioner came dressed in the same suit that he wore cuz they asked they asked you us gotta, all you to wear Thursday night stuff cuz you had Cause to it, come back the next day in your suit, in your suit Thursday night suit before for you Friday changed, before you because they Friday. shot everything as it was happening with the regular buzz from Thursday. So there's going to be uh. some shots from the actual first round of 2013 in there. But what they did was, for when the commissioner went up there, they changed the logos to the 2014 Dude, draft. Was it the Falcons have the number one pick? No, I think Ooh, it was. The number one pick I think the, the Jaguars had the number one pick. I, I don't think know it was who Jags, did. but uh, I can't really remember. But the names that they choose of the players, 
Yeah, Bo Callahan is a quarterback. Yeah. And, and That'd then, be good stuff. And the guy from, was it the Winklevoss? Yeah, one of the Winklevi. It, it, yeah. it wasn't our. I got bad information. It wasn't Army Hammer. It wasn't yeah. Army Hammer was the one who played them both. Right. But this other one is the Tyler Winklevoss. Maybe as a younger kid something or something like that. Now that's who came up and, and right. was playing and, one of the Josh players. Pence. He got booed. They booed everybody. They, they did. Everyone. Every Verizon draft <laughs> dream winner got booed. I loved when a Cowboy or Eagle or Patriot went up because they got tough, booed. It was, it was a tough crowd too. One crowd. of the dream the dream winners went up there, and I think I said after it was over, I'm like, well. If his dream was to be booed <laughs> by a bunch of strangers at Radio City, congratulations! Musical, scratch that off the bucket off the list. <laughs> I mean, we we had we had what we had, a dream! What had, a dream come true! We had young ladies going up to make going to make the picks Boo. from from the pit. It's amazing, and though. they shouted them down. And but but it was great how. <laughs> That's great. I, I love it. What I liked is how they brought the, le- the, the the legendary players back. I'm going to use Oy. that term. All of them weren't legendary, but they all played for yes, those various teams. Correct. But how their competitive juices got rolling. Because you notice how as each one came up to make the pick for their form, oh, yeah. Yeah. it started escalating. America's didn't it? team, right? it, started, it started escalating. The five-time champion and the 2014 <laughs> winners of the Super Bowl, the Detroit Lions. <laughs> right. right? I mean, I was like, these guys are still competing to this day because right. I'd hear one, and then I forgot who it was, but one of them went on about a two-minute riff. About I know six Super Bowls, and is, eighteen appearances, twenty-seven. Sharks with freaking lasers <laughs> on their heads, and, and, you, and you, felt, <laughs> you, you felt you felt you felt like that was that guy, you know, in, in Congress, you know, the distinguished senator yeah, from right. South Carolina. Get, yeah, just who, get to the who, pick. Who, who does all the thing about the well, state, actually, and, then, and then finishes with. We choose to pass at this time, right? right? After they do a five-minute rip and everybody wants to go beat them down. Didn't Merrill Hodge sort of analyze the pick? Totally. Saying, I totally don't agree with it, but I'm sure he's down. a good guy. No, sure he says, he says, it's not my pick. Not yeah, my right. pick. Oh, but, but, but went off. It's like, Merrill, get over yourself, but gave, man. But gave get the whole thing on it, over yourself, too. man. Quick, but not fast. I think I said that. Was, was that the first ever analysis? It was. You said it on air. Real-time analysis and of it, a pick? And the truth was, it was. Come on. That poor kid's sitting at home. But Merrill's got to... Bro, we know you're on TV on ESPN. You know what happened. You know what, ha- down, you know what happened in Pittsburgh. But you're not then. part of their draft coverage. But you know, I mean, you know what happened in Pittsburgh, don't you? On. You know what happened in Pittsburgh when Merrill made that choice and no, did that. He's not doing this for us. Yeah, again. that's right. <laughs> Scratch that off the list. They should. Have, they should have just had Jim Hill read everybody's. How that about the great. fact of all people to read off Manti? It's amazing, Jim Hill. Jim Hill. That was the best. Did you hear my comment on Saturday? Though? I missed it. No, it was good. Are you guys gonna like this one? <laughs> It's just somebody said, you know, and Jim Hill read off the pick and said something along the lines of like uh, proudly select. Proudly select. Yeah. He said because they said that that these guys came up there and really wore their pride. And, they, and when the guy Jim Hill said we proudly select the Chargers select, I said he probably read the off the teleprompter. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he said straight from the he teleprompter. Is Ron Burgundy. It was beautiful. L.A. legend. L.A., all the Southern California L.A. people, when they saw Jim Hill, of all people. It was amazing. Announcing that Manti Teo is going to send. So let's let's. What was nice was to to remember, because at that point you had to, when they announced who was doing the pitch, you had to read their little resume card, little bio card, the 18th pick of the draft his year. I yeah, believe, yeah, 1968. Right, I believe first it was. Round. I believe it was 18th pick, first round. 18th pick was Jim Hill. Mm-hmm. You know, so so once again, we know him as Jim Hill. Oh, you forget that it. guy. Oh, you yeah. forget what Jim Hill was exactly. before, and that's a pretty neat, that's a pretty neat thing. Jim Hill's no guys in Rocky Three or something. Jim right? Hill's Jim Hill's a legend. He's everywhere. There's no doubt about that. Uh, well, let's start. That's what always happens when you come on. Is we, <laughs> we have so much fun, we hardly start digging into hardcore football. And Mateo's a perfect uh, example, leaping off point here. I think where he wound up is perfect for him. Yeah, I I do too, Rich. And it's I perfect think, for him. And I think let's just go to what I, where I think you and I are on this one. Where we're mind melding. 
the press conference he had when he got to San Diego told us it was the perfect place for him. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. That, that thing could not have been – let's see, you and I were sitting – remember we kind of went back and forth a little while we were watching it, and you were like – could they not set that bad boy on a tee and just go ahead and hit it for him? Because the tough questions were, so Manti, what about, you know, you expect to be teased about, you know, the fake girlfriend, whatever. Well, you know, we've kind of covered that ground and blah, blah, blah. And the guy's going to, you know, football's going to be my thing or whatever. Thank you. That was it. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, Manti Teo is here. San Diego, perfect spot for him. I thought it, I think the phrase I used on the coverage was it sounded like an NPR show. You did. It's and, done. And it sounded, you know, and people, of course, tweet at me saying, why are you ripping on NPR? You know, I'm, I'm not. You're it's not. A, it's quiet and genteel is what it sounded like. I almost went. Hi, this is Kyle Rizdahl. Just, to give, just, to, give you, just <laughs> to give you, and I said it was like an all things considered episode, is that just to show you how my mind works on live television and how it gets filtered, I almost went sweaty balls. <laughs> Which is like one of the all-time great, great Saturday Night Live NPR spoofs was the sweaty balls. But, you know, if you don't know that. Good thing you have that extra filter because I would have just gone. <laughs> it was, it, but, like, but that's but what the press like, yeah, was like. It was like Mr. Sweaty and, and Sweaty Balls. You, you know, know, it's Ka- just, Kai Rizdahl bringing you the news. That's what it was. Is it, 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 and it was laid back. Just like all Southern California, for his family, it's the most geographically oh, sound spot. Perfect. We know, you know everyone was saying if he was going to go 32 overall to the Ravens, Ray Lewis is one of his idols. Seau was his first idol, yes. and he's going to Seau's team. Now, a lot of people think, well, you can't compare him to Junior Seau. I'm not. And you didn't. And, and that's no, the thing. Let me just jump in not. real quick on that. You're not. That's where I was proud of us, okay, as a, as a group. All right. Okay. I can hear people now. You're patting yourselves on the back. That's not my point. My point is this. The easy thing to do is to go all junior say out. Here comes Manti Teo. It's too easy. Filling his shoes. Right. Not even close. Not the same player. Not the same type of player. Nor, I don't believe, expected to get what you're going to get. We're talking about an all-time great who's willing to be a Hall of Famer in junior say We're not talking about Manti Teo, who we picked holes in all the way through the draft process to get him there. Where I mean where I mean I'm proud of us is you mention it because of the junior sale connection and blah blah. But we didn't compare him and say as a player None of us came even close to that. And I thought that that was very good on our part because I think people took it that way. And I feel like saying just watch the tape again. We didn't even come close. When we started about Manti Teo, we were using names like D'Amico Ryans. We were using names like James Laurinaitis. Ryans was second rounder. Laurinaitis was a second rounder. Mm-hmm. They're very solid players. I'm not saying that they're all going to the Hall of Fame. They're very solid players who are very productive in the league. That's where we were going with it. Now, the, another reason why I think this, the the Teo spot works great too is if you have if you're a prospect that that has a big name and some question marks and also something that might cause you uh, to have your growth stunted if you're in the wrong spot, to go to a place where you can sort of toil in relative anonymity and be just one of the guys, as much as they're letting you be one of the guys, and just go ahead and keep your head down and plug away, that's the perfect spot for you, which is how I bring up Geno Smith. Mm -hmm. Which is not the perfect spot. I mean, talk about (laughs) the exact opposite. The exact opposite. And the question is, Is how is Smith's first year going to go? Is it going to go where he is wins a job, 
is it goes to where they're just going to give him the job. It goes to where he doesn't get the job, but what happens with him weeks one through four, four through eight? How does he get the reps? How does he get to a spot where if he is the man to succeed Sanchez or the fans demand it and the circumstances bring it about, how can he succeed? How does his 2013 season go? Who is the quarterback who throws their arm around him and tells him what it's like to be a pro? Is that Garrard? He's only one on the roster now. It's not Sanchez. And, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way either for Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez is fighting for his NFL life. I don't think we should expect him to say, hey, Gino, come on in, big boy. So Let's then why draft Gino Smith if you know that there's a veteran there that that that, that, that has to that, – that you can't blame for looking out for number one? No. Why, why should he? Look, Joe, Joe Montana didn't exactly embrace Steve Young, did he? I mean, <laughs> he's like Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Brett Favre, we can go on for for days, and let's not buy into the old. Well, the old veteran came in and took his arm around me. A lot of kids say that just to keep people from from gleaning anything else. I wouldn't expect Sanchez to do it. I think you asked the questions during the draft, Rich, that everyone was asking, and I think some of them have no answer at this point. We're, they have to be revealed by the Jets. And tell us where they're going with it. Well, they because we went through all the different permutations hey, of it. Man. Is Sanchez really going to compete for the job? If so, Sanchez, Gino, whatever. And frankly, if they're going to let Sanchez compete for it, and he goes all out, I like his chances better because of the new system they're going to run. I like his chances with Marty Morningweg and that type of a system. That ball gets in his hands, gets out. I think he's got a much better shot if that happens. Now they may very well come back and say. Would you say about the number, about the 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 cap number, and the cut him, and, and what they owe him? Well, you know, I mean, they, they could cut him for what two hundred fifty thousand more, and well, and what I mean, have that's you, just for this year. Well, just for this year, I, I, looking but at they the could numbers, go that way and go Gerard, you start and you put your arm around around Gino. Mm-hmm. Remember, Gerard was out of the league last year. He might be a lot more inclined to play Mark Brunel and want to hang on as long as he can. Here's the and way do that. Then 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 yep. maybe the, well, he definitely will be the Sanchez. There's a couple of ways of of skin in the cat here. And the Jets are choosing the option of we're going to let it compete and play out. Right. That's and, where we are now. And I don't understand how that works. How does it work where just, like, let the chips fall where they may? It seems like, again, another one of those chemistry experiments like last <laughs> year where it's just like let's go to the lab and let's smash these atoms together yep. and hope it makes one of the greatest elements that's ever been created. And I don't know how that works, especially when – You've got a coach who's only under contract for 16 more games. And we could sit here and say Sanchez works great and well for the Marty Morningweg West Coast offense, right. but how do we know they're going to run Marty Morningweg's West Coast offense in 2014? We don't. We don't. Well, why we do you, don't. But why and, would you bring him in if you're not going to run what he runs? Well, too. I mean, clearly you have to because we're just going to – it is what it is right, right now, but you look at what other teams did. Take a look at what the Colts did last year. Now, I understand they had the first overall pick, and that made things maybe easier. But Jim Irsay had a choice. He could have kept Peyton yep. and plugged in Andrew Luck and kept Jim Caldwell and Bill Polian and see how it goes. Let's compete it out, or there's no competition, but we'll see what happens with Peyton Manning. Right. He could have kept Andrew Luck, drafted Andrew Luck, kept Peyton Manning, blew out Caldwell and Polian, put in another coach, and say, this is your situation. He could have done what he did, which is got rid of everyone else and started fresh. Yes. The Bills 
Go ahead. Get Doug Marone from Syracuse and say, you choose your quarterback if you like one this year. Mm-hmm. If you don't like him, there's a whole host apparently in 2014 that are pretty damn good. So now he's a new coach. He's the one that chooses the new quarterback. E.J. Manuel. Who knows, right? Right. But Could be made, good. But he made Could the be. choice. But that's their choice. They've gone ahead, started fresh. This is the way we're going to move forward here at the Buffalo Bills, and it's going to be the same offense this year as the next year and the next year, unless they go ahead and do what they always do, which is change coaches for every four years. The right. last coaches, we all know, the Buffalo has had four successive years in a row, full years, Marv Levy. Marv Levy. Long story short is at least that's what they're doing. The Jets are like, okay, we're going to get Geno Smith. We're going to compete it out with a quarterback, in my mind, that I said on the air, needs to be rehabilitated or released in Sanchez. Right. They've, done the neither. They've done neither. Now, now you've, They've now, done now, neither. Now They've done neither. Now you've They've created the And who showed last year with Tebow, he couldn't handle that the competition or the, the shadow or the aura or whatever. The specter. And they're going to have the same offensive weapons. Fewer. Fewer. Fewer because Keller... Is gone. Is gone. I do like the Chris Ivory pick. Yeah, I think that's a very good pick much, for him, but I still, think, I still think it's a rotation. So if you're, if you're the Jets, uh, this pick makes very little sense to me unless somehow, someway, Geno Smith starts week one and becomes the next Hosanna, but you and Mayock say he's not ready for that. Yeah, and I just don't – I mean, I think this is very difficult to grasp onto unless you're saying I'm all in with him. I hand him the playbook when he gets to, gets to New York for the for the press conference, which, you know, he's already there. You know, go ahead and make that happen. Hand him the playbook and say, starting with OTAs, you're taking the first nap and we're moving. Because Andrew Luck did that. Robert Griffin III did that. I mean, remember last year? They, they, Mike Shanahan, who's as old school as they get, he didn't even hesitate. Hey, Robert Robert's our quarterback. The last, and, and off they went. The last and that's what you have to do. The last top, you know, pick quarterback even though, he, again, he's a second-rounder, second round, which I understand. He's, he's a second-rounder. He's going to be treated like a first-rounder. But first Dalton, rounder. Dalton went ahead. He was a top-of-the-second-rounder guy and started like that. But even last first-round quarterback that didn't have that, I think, was Locker. Yeah. Right? And I don't think we'll ever see uh, – E.J. Manuel's going to start, right? He's got to start. He's right? number 16 pick in the draft. Okay. We can talk all we want about Kevin Cobb. If E.J. Manuel doesn't take him the ball on the first snap of next season, that just means he, something went horribly wrong that he just truly wasn't ready to go. That's the so only it way just I see that. to me I, again, I understand draft boards. You know, like I said, the Nassib pick for the Giants. Yep. I don't understand it, but I understand. Like, hey, if you see value, you've got to keep getting building value with that position in the draft. You know, the Giants to me have got a lot of offensive holes that they need to fill. They have some. What does Nassib do for them? Right. And Mayock, you know, as you know, yeah. taught the lesson. Yep. On the this air. This is what it is. This is what general managers do. It's a footprint, and what they do is they see the board, and if they got that guy ranked 50th and it's pick 113, doesn't matter the position, we're taking that because we have upgraded the talent on the roster. Right, and that's what teams do. That's what, some, that's what a good but number Eli of teams Manning, do. But Eli Manning, if I'm not mistaken, has got, he has yeah. more consecutive starts than anybody in the NFL right now. Yep. Longest current streak, yeah. yeah. Uh, told, and if, if nassib has got a start for the Giants, that is a that's, that's a major anyway. issue. But Curtis Painter and David Carr are your backups currently. And, and that's upgrading your position. Yeah. I mean, it upgrades your backup quarterback just in case, for some reason, Eli Manning can't answer Now, the, the one that the Steelers went and got. Um, Landry, Jones? About Landry Jones. Landry Jones. I, I like that, yeah. Because. There's no threat. W- well, we've seen Roethlisberger get banged up. Right. He's constantly running around with no conscience, as you know, without the and, pocket, and not thinking about what could come and, and hit we, him. And we talked about this on set, Rich. It's not just Roethlisberger gets beat up. Byron Leftwich can't get out of preseason. Right. He, he, right. So that, right, that's so Leftwich got that one I got. And Charlie Batch is my age. That one I got. That one I, I mean, got. And I love Charlie Batch, but Charlie Batch is 
Charlie Batch is starting to hit Vinny Testaverde territory. Well, Batch also where he said is still, this week. still viable, but he's, you know, he's pushing 40 years Didn't old. did Batch say this week that he could see how the, the Steelers got him to start yeah. eventually to groom for Roethlisberger? But, but, uh, but Colbert, their general manager, said um, that, that Roethlisberger's 31. They, they see 10 more years, and why not? If Why he could not? stay healthy. If he could stay healthy. That's a big man. I mean, he's he's a moose. He's a big, big man. So but he takes a I, lot of hits. That one I got. Nassim, I didn't get. Geno Smith, I totally well, did not back, understand. Back to the doom and gloom Jets thing, though. Like Steve, They took a wide receiver in the first round last year with Stephen Hill. So hopefully he second year he Develops. starts to come into his own. They dra- drafted three offensive linemen. Yes, they th- did. This well, one is a, is a Michigan guy that's who's, a converted who's a conversion from, de- from defense. Yeah, tackle. they lost, obviously, Revis, so Milner fills that need. And then didn't Pua, their big D tackle, and, uh, and retired and left. DeVito. And DeVito's Sheldon, on and, Kansas City. And in our mock draft, you drafted Sheldon uh, Richardson. You got him 20th. 20, 20th overall, but that was a steal at that yep. point. I mean, you guys are really oh, no, high no, no, no. Listen, I like the Jets draft. Overall, the draft is terrific. I'm it, not saying the Smith thing. Because the Geno Smith thing again. Yep. You have a quarterback that you were on the hook for, thanks to Mr. T. One of the moves that he made was guaranteeing him his salary in two thousand thirteen. Eight, eight million. Eight, eight and, and a half. Quarter. Eight yeah. and a quarter million. That if they release him, it accelerates not only. I I, I read that it's it it would be four more million next year. Wow. Twelve point eight five against the cap the following year. I believe. Right. That's big. No, no. This it, it, they we take most of it now. But if he's yeah. a June first cut, it it it's, yeah. They could do all twelve million now, right? Or or, or it'd be eight and a half now, and and four and a half million next later, year. right? So it's it's hefty, <laughs> and so he's unreleasable and untradeable. Even though, if you remember when that extension took part, the Jets said what this does is get a kid at his age with a cost certainty at a price. Certainly, when you take a look at what Flacco and Rogers yeah. and Brady are getting, right. and all those guys. Eight and a quarter million is that's. But isn't that why you draft a, a quarterback that needs a year to develop, like a Geno Smith? Well, to me, this kid that? is not. Sanchez isn't going anywhere. As much as Jet fans say, just pull a band aid yeah. off and rip it off, and that's it. Maybe they will because Garrard, as you said, has got a, a back that's like Fred Sanford's, right? <laughs> and and um, and Geno's not ready. So if Sanchez doesn't take you through the preseason, or somebody, if if Garrard gets hurt. Then Gino is then Gino. unready and and starting against Darrell Rivas. If that's the way, you, if that's which the way is a nightmare scenario, <laughs> if he's unready. I just it, want to know: Do you think the Jets will score an offensive touchdown in the preseason? I don't know. <laughs> well, remember Carolina didn't a few years ago. <laughs> right. I don't know. Right, you remember you, that one? But you just never know. I mean, you never know. The Jets, you didn't. Hey, listen. And, you, as you know, in baseball, the Yankees were supposed to be ten games under five hundred. Right. And look now. where they are. So and, that's, the and that's the great. That's point. right. You just never know until you play. Until them. you play it out, because we 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 believe that Gino needs that year of season. But what do you make of Gino but, firing but, his? Agents. All I know, well, here's, well, even, even before I get to that, okay, we also said Joe Flacco wasn't ready. It's true. We all said that. We all, said Joe Flacco's not ready, and if Troy Smith doesn't get tonsillitis, he doesn't start week one. And look at where we are. I know. So we don't. So, so, so we don't know. So sometimes playing it out works out. Sometimes all I'm saying is that I get where you're of all from. franchises that should choose the <laughs> let's play it out route, <laughs> the one that least should, should do not that. do that <laughs> are, are, are the Jets. And the last thing I'll say on this is Thursday night when they went defense defense. Did, I didn't hear everything that was said, but I'm I'm, I'm guessing you guys had a conversation somewhere like along Rex the line. Pounding the table. Rex, not just to pound in the table, but getting his but, way. But ownership saying, "Hey, you're okay." And then you come back on Friday, and they go Geno Smith, and now it doesn't quite look the same. How depressed it went, it went how, from. It looks like Rex is in a better spot than we thought. To oh, that seems like the spot listen, we thought he was in. I don't want to be 
you know, uh, and he fired his. And I don't know if he fired his agent because he thought he, he said should have he gone higher. He said he didn't. He, he did not was, fire him. No, he did fire him. He said he didn't fire them because, because of the draft. I would hope he would say because the that, agent can't. The agent's really not going to determine where you go. Rich, in the draft. you did a one-on-one with Rex Ryan. Well, that's so why I'm saying I don't want to play armchair psychiatrist, right. but he sounded. Uh, depressed. He didn't want to talk about the three-point shot. I know that. That didn't really fire him. Yeah, I thought it would be fun, you know, talking about that. Uh, DJ Daniel Jeremiah was talking about with David Shaw Shaw. when they were back in the day together, the staff of the Ravens Ravens. saying how, you know, David Shaw said anytime you needed a three-point shot, Rex Ryan was a great shooter. Rex is like, I, I don't know what they're talking about. And then my, favorite, I mean, just like he wasn't even having, he wasn't even going there. I can imagine. It's, listen, I know more than anybody. It's an exhausting. Did you event. find it shocking that he didn't call well, Sanchez? That was what Charles Davis picked up immediately. Yeah, I but, asked. Sometimes the simple questions are the best one to ask. But I said, "Have you called Sanchez yet?" And he said, "No." No. And you took you you. And he didn't even bat an eye. That was the thing. It was t- like it was no. Okay, and, let's move on. And you're like. If if he's a coach, that's why they don't want to rehabilitate him. You have to rehabilitate him. He was if was, he's not calling him and saying, and you've got to, as you know, as you know, how about you know, you athletes, got to treat your you starting quarterback different. Do not different. throw your arm around certain athletes, and you better know and that your quarterbacks. They will shut it down when it comes to adversity. Perfect example too. Who was the kid that uh, that that Mike Montgomery shoved? Oh yeah, the at, kid. At oh Cal. yeah, number twenty-one. Yeah, yeah. was it their, Crab or their Alan star, Crab? Their star player, oh, right? Yeah, Alan Crab. Alan and Crab. then, and then it came time in the in the tournament, and stuff started going south. Guess who shut it down? He shut it down. That was against Syracuse. Crab, right? Listen, what that about, two that that two three zone shut him he down. Was terrible. Don't don't don't. And he's but a you twenty point see, per game. You score. could see. You could see he was just. But but you he never was, know when it's going to come back. And the other part is, man, you have to treat your starting quarterback different. I know people still say, well, you can't go well, kid gloves. How about gloves. Mayock said that well, five say, different times? You can't go kid gloves. You can't do this. You can't do that. Through the history of the game, you treat your starting quarterback different. You just do. He is your horse. He is your guy. It's like your it's like your top starter in baseball. Right. You know, your number one guy is going to go on opening day and get the ball to start the World Series and do all of those things. They are just different, and it's just the way it is. And that's why when you asked him the question, have you called him? Because to me, you How call you Mark. Call you picked up the phone, called Mark Sanchez, and you say, even if you say, Mark, we're taking a quarterback for the last two years. I've tried. We've tried to get you to handle this and be tougher. It's coming, big boy. We're not cutting you. We're not doing this. Whatever you wanted to say, but we're drafting a quarterback just just to tell him. But the idea of not calling him at all, even after, I actually asked a couple of GMs privately, would you? And they're like, well, yeah, you call your guy. Even, He's not the guy. Even, but but what I'm saying is. He might be the guy, so you call him. All I know is if, <laughs> if the Jets, if the Jets have four and a half million dollars in cap space at the end of the preseason, I know this is rough. I know it's terrible. You got to cut him, and and you got to cut him. And, and uh, to, me, to me, I think they should. They owe it to him to cut him right now. And it will be revealed as we go along. I don't know if they owe it to and him. Just, and just and just well, listen. Yeah, I think you, know you do owe it to somebody. In this business, you don't just hold on to somebody just in case. To, I guess you have to. You, have you to, gotta yeah. hold on to him just in case somebody gets hurt. Then suddenly you have to play him. And they're paying him. He's getting paid eight and a half million. So I know, but if you got the extra four and a half million to stick on your cap yeah. this year and get it, get it out, get and it out, and get play, all play, of the mistakes of the Tannenbaum administration, get them out. You take, you playing the get what, what out if, at you're once. the what if game. I'll go back to what I said last year when they traded for Tim Tebow. Sanchez should have demanded a trade then. <laughs> well. I'm sure all of the fans of this podcast are screaming and howling about what about my team. I don't know if we can get to all 32, yeah. but Ch- Charles, I'll just throw open to you. Which 
which draft did you like? I mean, which which I know you can't really. I like Seattle. I mean, not Seattle. I keep saying Seattle because of Jacksonville. Like I like Sa- what I like what Jacksonville did. I know it wasn't sexy going with an offensive lineman to start, but coming back getting Jonathan Cyprian at safety, coming back and getting the corner Denard. You know, I, I mean, I just thought that Denard Robinson who, at Michigan who will develop. I mean, you're hoping to develop him. You know, it's it's like a transition of Armonte Edwards out of Appalachian State that hasn't gone so well for Carolina, but that doesn't mean it won't go well for Denard Robinson. Michigan got the great perfect attitude for it, and he exhibited it at Michigan when he got hurt. And still said, well, I'll play whatever role you want yeah. me to play. Armani, I mean, by the way, brought on the Denard era yeah. in, in Michigan. He did. I mean, he, he precursored it. <laughs> and there's, now a D, there's DNA in that right now, there. Now it's come back around. Buffalo, even if you don't like the E.J. Manuel pick, I like the rest of it because they said we're all in with it. So they went and got Robert Woods. They went and got Marquise Goodwin to try and help him out. I loved a team. I love a team. that To me, that shows conviction. They didn't just say, well, we're going to get the quarterback, and we hope he'll be okay. We like him. We're going to surround people with him. Baltimore, every year we come into this thing and go, I don't know, Baltimore, they're losing everybody. At some point, people just go, an Aussie we trust. Yeah. Just, just be done with mm-hmm. it because look at what they did drafting at the bottom. That draft is pretty darn good. You're talking about getting an Elam. Arthur Brown now becomes a much bigger player with the Rolando McLean situation off the field. A lot of people linebacker. love him. And Arthur Brown's a terrific football player who went in the second round. So we can just go right down the line and find value. Heck, they got, they got the Harvard kid. They did get the Kyle, Kyle Juszczyk, you know, so he can become a player for them. So, I, 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 you know, there's so many different teams. We could spotlight a bunch of them. Chip Kelly at Philadelphia. All I'm going to tell everyone, we said it on air. I'm going to say it one more time. Don't typecast and buy all you saw at Oregon and think that's all you're going to get. Because if you do, you're making a mistake. Chip Kelly's a football mind, not just a mad scientist who's coming to the league now to show everybody all the wizardry we did before, right. and this is how we're going to shake it up. He's not Paul Westhead mm-hmm. in basketball. Remember Westhead took the system? Remember Loyal Merritt? Run the system. He's going to run the system in the NBA. Okay? About 10 games into an 82-game season, the Denver Nuggets looked over at the bench and was like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. You're joking, right? Right. We can't do this. And it was a disaster the because old, it's too big of a coach. season. Steve Spurrier. It's not going to work that way. Mm-hmm. Chip Kelly's style will work in, in spots. Mm-hmm. Can they play better tempo? Can they be in better shape? All of that. But if you think you're going to see what you saw at Oregon, an NFL team just can't do it. You don't have enough bodies to practice it. That's the part they miss. Despite Allen Iverson, you have to practice that system mm-hmm. before you run it each and every Sunday, and the team won't, won't be able to hold up. Coming back this here, guy can get it done. Coming back here to L.A., do you know how many people came up to me, friends or whatever? What happened to Matt Barkley? Because, you know, everybody here mm-hmm. thinks that if you start quarterback at USC. <laughs> Your first rounder. Yeah. I mean, what happened to Matt Barkley? Listen, I was surprised and he, went he went all to the fourth. fourth. I was surprised he lasted that That long. he lasted that Yeah, long. I, th- I thought the but, third and was that, the And bottom. that Chip Kelly was the one who got him? Yeah, and, and it fooled me because I sat on the desk, and in retrospect, that was one of my biggest errors of the, of the deal. Not so much that I should have said, well, he should take Matt Barkley. But I had in my mind that Matt Barkley wasn't fit a fit with him, and well, that was my saying, bad. But you just said that he's not not everything that he's doing is right. Is, and see, that was my bad, Rich, because you know what I had in my mind? What kind of a quarterback have I seen lately fit with 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 right. Chip isn't, Kelly? Isn't I the, blew that one. That was on me. Isn't Chip on the record too saying he's a big Nick Foles fan from his days in Arizona? Of course he so, is. I mean, Listen. what do you do now with you have Dennis Dixon, your guy from Oregon? You have Mike Vick. Now you have Barkley. Right. Listen, they, he likes them all until they go out and compete. Then he'll cut somebody. I mean, that's, that's how that part is going to work. And the beauty of him is if you go all the way back, since we're all tape mavens and gurus, go back if you could find tape of him at New Hampshire as an offensive coordinator. I know people are like, New Hampshire? Listen, in the 1AA level, 
He had a quarterback named Ricky Santos. And David Ball. Who was Ball. a draftable guy. He had David Ball who they was breaking. Whose records, whose records was he Jerry breaking? Rice. Thank you. As a wide receiver. And a read option, option offense, all that was nowhere to be seen. They threw the ball all over the yard and did very well. So let's not typecast Chip Kelly as only a one-dimensional guy. And they scored a ton of points because I, yes, Ma- I was in Maine during that period of time, and they scored a ton of points. And so before everybody gets all up and down, well, that was New Hampshire. Well, you know something? He took New Hampshire and went to Oregon and played for a national championship and won Pac-12 titles. This guy is a football mind. Let's not box him in. And who took uh, three of his first four players from – Schools that beat him. Yeah, he only <laughs> lost three times in the last two years of the three schools that LSU, beat him. LSU, Stanford, and uh, USC. Yeah. And USC was two Took years ago. Stanford beat him last year. With Zach Ertz and LSU scoring was two, with, three years ago. With Ertz scoring the touchdown and force overtime. Over, yep. And I, I mentioned that on the air, and I got tons of tweets from people saying he didn't score a touchdown. He was out of bounds. <laughs> He's out of bounds. <laughs> right. Um, good thing that um, uh, Denard is on Jacksonville, and Ace Sanders, the wide receiver, was chosen as well because as you and I uh, and all of us have been speaking, Justin Blackman has been suspended for the first four games in the National Football League season due to... How about that? Uh, uh, substance abuse. Substance abuse. It's too bad. So that's many strikes. Well, I think didn't, he, he got busted for DUI year. before. Was it before the draft? Before, before the draft. The draft. And, and that counted against him, even though he hadn't technically been and, on an and NFL was the, roster. And was that the one where he was coming back from a Cowboys game where he had been a guest of Dez's? Oh, boy. I'm not trying hey. to connect the dots. It's just that you remember the Oregon State, the, excuse me, the Oklahoma State oh, receivers, Dez, then here comes Justin Blackman, the whole thing, and they were friends and blah, blah. And Can you call up their together. first four games, Chris Long? Yeah, absolutely. Call up their first four games. So. Oh, Lord. Some real-time <laughs> information on a uh, downloadable podcast. I don't know if that'll be... <laughs> How that shelf life works, but it's uh, it is what it is. Oh, more. Uh, how about the Packers draft? Okay, Dayton Jones, defensive end. Then they go ahead and get Eddie Lacy, sixty first overall, which is way below yeah. what everyone thought he would go. Um, but Mayock said Adam you said too. Time. Some teams took him off their draft board completely board. based on his they, knee they injury. Thought, thought knee and toe is what I got. The toe injury was bigger than than maybe we well, expected. If, if there is an issue, then not bad to have Jonathan Franklin in your back pocket. See, and I, and I think I said it on our set. I believe they'll get more value out of Jonathan Franklin going forward than, than they will Eddie, Eddie Lacy. How about that? Stark's done up there. Then? It, well, I think he's supposed to be on the block. You can't have enough running backs. Can't anywhere. have running backs. Uh, they did release, I think, Sane before they the draft. They did. Brandon Sane was released. Uh, and then they go Treader and uh, and Bakhtiari, offensive line picks in between those two running backs. And Bakhtiari's a left tackle, so that tells you that they're thinking about, okay, are we dealing with Newhouse? Are we dealing with uh, you know uh, uh, Derek Sherrod, who came in previously? They're going to let them battle it out. Right. So we'll we'll see how that that Not plays bad. out. Treader will probably be a guard, and you said it on air, Rich. You can't have enough people to protect the hundred and ten million dollar man now. Can't. So what are the first four Jacksonville? So the games? Jacksonville opens up uh, with the Chiefs at home. Then they go uh, to Oakland. Uh, then they're at Seattle, and then their fourth game is uh, home against the Colts. On September 29th, so he'll, his first game back will be against the Rams in St. Louis. So he missed the, how many division games is that? One? That is uh, Colts. I counted one. One, one. Yep. Colts game. Yep. Charles Davis, you the man. We could go on and on and on. But well, thank thanks you, for sir. having me. Thank Appreciate you. it. It was thank a blast you. as always. Charles Davis, everybody. Now let's roll on with some Rolling Stone. Well, I am pleased to have on this podcast a man who made uh, quite the rounds last week. I think he was on Simmons's podcast on Dan Patrick's radio program, uh, based on his fantastic pre-draft column uh, for Rolling Stone, for which he is a contributing uh, editor, author of five books, winner of the National Magazine Award, and I'm a big fan of his work for many years. Follow him on Twitter. He is Matt Taibbi here on the Rich Eisen Podcast. How are you there, Matt? 
How are you doing, Rich? I'm doing fine. So uh, I'm glad uh, I'm glad I got you on. Because oh, you're yeah. well, please. Because your 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 blog created uh, quite the stir, I believe. <laughs> amongst that's the, no, it's my favorite topic. So every, every year I write one. Is it really? Are you sure it's not the credit default swaps that? <laughs> <laughs> that's just what they pay me to do. Well, <laughs> you know, I know, but you, I think you wrote in your email that you know that you didn't want to promote your 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 latest article. I think on derivatives or something like that. But you never know. Right. There, there could be that NFL draft junkie slash derivative fan, like a Venn diagram that's a small part that meets in the middle. You never know how these things may mesh, these worlds. I, I think I am that subset. I think I'm the entirety of that subset, <laughs> uh, actually. Well, then maybe there's, for a little part, because like, my eyes do glaze over reading about it, but I read about it, but when I only, I read a lot about it thanks to you and your reporting as well, so that's one of the reasons why I want to have you on, is I, I'm a big fan of what you write and how you write it and how you just put it out there and you stand behind it and you, you stick your chest out and, it's, and you basically say this is what it is, and, and uh, I, I really appreciate it, Matt. Oh, well, thank you. That's very nice of you to say. Of course. Now, let's get to your, uh, your draft column, which again, <laughs> I think created a little bit of a stir. Because of your your rules, how do you come up with these rules? These general rules that general managers should employ uh, coming into the draft. Well, I've been I've been obsessed with the draft like unhealthily for as long as I can remember. Probably I don't know, fifteen years or so. And um, after watching just countless drafts, it just seems to me year after year there are a couple of things that are always true. And uh, one of them, so I came up with a list of of all these. Of all these mistakes that that general managers always make, yeah. and uh, and ways that they could kind of cut corners and and avoid some of their some of the errors, and uh, and my my favorite one is just um, always to draft the the marijuana smoker. Yeah, I mean every every year there's a collection of three or four guys who who test positive uh, for weed, and they fall in the draft, and almost inevitably. Uh, they turn out to be really, really good players who should have been drafted higher. And, uh, and your 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 philosophy is is that there are far worse things. That, absolutely, that you should, yeah. No. Uh, if if your if your prospect has to have a vice, that's the one that you prefer as opposed to any violent tendencies and things of that. Yeah, nature. I mean, uh, in, in a way, I mean, I actually want my my twenty two year old millionaire. I, I want him going straight from from practice. Uh, back to his room and, and just sitting there giggling and watching cartoons. All <laughs> no, day. you don't want that, Matt. You want him. You want him. You want him going to you know the gym. After the gym, he works yeah. out. Yeah. Oh, after he works yeah. out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, obviously there's there are, there are real character concerns, and I, I think I think teams do a really good job of of avoiding guys who who um, because at the next level, I think a lot of these guys get by on. Just pure natural gifts at the college level, and you really, you really do need to be, you know, have a, a, a great work ethic to succeed in the NFL. So if a guy, you know, isn't that, and he's got character problems, and he doesn't know how to take care of himself at night, and he's got bad friends hanging around him all the time, that's a real thing. But if a guy just really likes to smoke weed every now and then, I mean, he's every college student in America. I just don't think. Yeah, I think they're two completely different things. And now you've got a, you've got another you've got another rule too about um, uh, white wide receivers. I'd love to get you on that front. Yeah, I mean that's well. It's just another. There's there's a couple of weird sort of racial things that go on in the draft. I think white skill players, on, yeah. especially on offense, are 
are kind of oddly underdrafted. Um, yeah, we we see it pretty much every year. There's there's a guy uh, who you know who is definitely draftable who falls a couple of rounds, whether it's you know Austin Colley or Eric Decker or you know go back to what the Wes Welker or Danny Amendola guys who didn't get drafted at all. Um, and then you know this year I thought it was I thought it was weird that kid from from Texas A and M. Uh, uh, Ryan Swope, right? He just blew up the combine, right? I mean, he he shows up and he runs a four three four. I mean, he he was probably the outside from Tavon Austin. He he tested better than anybody at the combine, and he what did he go in the fifth or the sixth round? Well, this is part of the reason where I'm I'm going. Why I brought these two up first, Matt, mm-hmm. is that your your pick the weed guy rule mm-hmm. and how the uh, white wide receiver is still what do you call it the, uh, the market inefficiency. Yes, the market inefficiency <laughs> that the Arizona Cardinals chose Tyron Matthew mm-hmm. in the third round. The Arizona Cardinals chose Ryan Swope in the sixth round. <laughs> maybe and maybe in terms of you, you and, and and you also <laughs> said don't shy away from short. Mm-hmm. Stephon Taylor, the five nine running back from right. Stanford, Andre Ellington, the five nine running back right. from Clemson, right. also Arizona Cardinals draft picks. I'm just wondering if Bruce Arians <laughs> read your blog or Steve Kime read your blog. I, I'm I'm thinking they did. It's entirely possible. I mean, they, they, that would be great if they did. I I, I think uh, I, I liked all of those draft picks, by the way. I thought they made they made a lot of good decisions. But yeah, um, you know that that third thing about about uh, short players. That's like a, that's another really weird weird thing. I mean, don't you see this every year? They they there's there's some guy who's there's this cliche they always say that this guy can't take the pounding between the tackles. Right, mm-hmm. I mean, don't, we hear that in, in the draft shows every year, and and um, and because of that, uh, guys like um, Maurice Jones-Drew and Leon Washington, you know, they they don't go as high as they they should, and and uh, and teams end up with really good cheap players uh, that they they would have otherwise had to take in the in the you know in the first round. So yeah, I hope maybe maybe, uh, maybe Arizona. <laughs> Uh, was tuning in. That'd be cool. Yeah, if there was a rule about how your coach should wear a Kangol from the <laughs> from the Samuel L. Jackson collection, then I think then then I think we we could it would be open and shut that they read your blog. I mean, <laughs> I'm embarrassed I, to say that I wear those hats. Do, do you really? Do you rock <laughs> the? Do, do, yeah. <laughs> now, who pulls it off better? You or Bruce Arians? That's the question. No, definitely him. Definitely. Yeah, I've, yeah. You, you rock the Kangol, do you? <laughs> well. I'm a balding middle-aged white man. Well, I, I mean, I, so am I, but I don't. I don't think I could pull off the Kangol. What do you think, Chris? Could I, could I, if I showed up on NFL Network with the Kangol? I think. What's the next event coming up? Is it Hall of Fame for you? It could be. I mean, I think it's worth breaking it out. Maybe. Uh, what if I stole it off of Carl Eller's head? <laughs> sort of like Let that fan. Sort of here. like that fan. <laughs> that, no remember that gentlemen. fan that took Bum Phillips's ten-gallon hat off his head as he ran off the field once that one wow. time. I want to know: Is Bruce Arians going to get league approval to wear those on sideline this year? Yeah, do you know that, Matt? I think he's seeking league approval to actually rock the Kangol during a game. Oh, because it has to be otherwise uh, like a official. Like, yes, an official Nike sponsor. new era. I right. would think a new yeah, era. Right? Yeah. Can't new era make a Kangol? And and if he and if he does. I think it would be the first headgear, unofficial headgear worn since Tom Landry's hat. Yeah, oh, that's that's probably true. Who, who, well, wait, did, 
Didn't uh, didn't Mike Nolan try some kind of headwear? No, he tr- he went with a suit. That's right. That's what that was his. And he needed and he needed he needed permission to do that <laughs> because these these companies pay top right. dollar for their product to be worn on the field. Well, remember uh, uh, Terry Francona uh, for the Red Sox? Yeah. He had a he had a back problem and he couldn't he couldn't wear the uh, official league sponsored uniform or at least he, he said he couldn't and that was a big big to do because baseball well. baseball i think think about it baseball is the only sport i'd love it if other where the managers this. wear the uniform is the players like could you uh, rex that, ryan in a jets uniform that would on be the sidelines coaching he'd look like a nesting egg andy reed <laughs> you know one of those russian nest eggs like you crack him open uh, and inside is walt michaels crack him open Mike inside is, <laughs> Inside of him is Bruce Coslett. George Car- George Carlin and Nuggets jersey on the sideline. Yeah, yeah, that just wouldn't work. That would be great. Can you imagine Bill, Bill Belichick in a Patriots uniform? Now, you see, great. but he rocks what he does, I think, is illegal. I think he, he mocks it. Well, I mean, no, I don't think he mocks it. He, But the cutoffs, right. I don't think you're allowed to, you know, just do whatever you want. Do you think he thing. gets a $5,000 fine each week? I don't think he gets any fine. <laughs> I think he, you know, he, he really, uh, you know, I'm a Patriots fan. I'm from New England. So, okay. Yeah, uh, I think he he's really into this monastic image of himself, you know, with with the hood and the and the and the weird sleeves. I think it's really an important thing to him. How so? <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. I mean, I, you see, over over the years, he's gotten more and more um, intense about it. I mean, he he even every, he doesn't go anywhere in public anymore without making reference to to the sleeves. And uh, he came out in a Watertown uh, police department sweatshirt with the sleeves cut off. That's true. He did that. Yeah, so I saw I, that, which was great. Actually, I love that. that yeah, was pretty I thought cool. it was a cool thing. That was cool. Now, what he does though, when he when it gets cold weather. Yeah, I'm, he I don't gets. Know. I, don't, I can't remember. Do you remember he, but you he, know he wears he, the ear thing. It's it's like the no, half. No, what he does sometimes is if you remember the uh, the the Saturday Night Fever sequel, Staying Alive. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Okay, and John Travolta because this was the early '80s. Now he had like that head thing that right, goes around right. his ears. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, it's it's not like the, that Elmer Fudd sort of earmuff thing. It's sort of like the Staying Alive. It's like a rap. Rap. Yeah. Yeah. Which is an odd choice of, of yeah. It's like a it's like a workout gear type of thing, right? A little bit. Yeah, it's like workout. Yeah. It's like he would. There should be matching leg warmers. It's like a headband that covers in which he his would ears. in which he would stick the red challenge flag. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> uh, that would be. Fantastic. So, what do you think of the Patriots draft, Matt? Did you like it? I mean, because as usual, they traded out of the first round and got a ton of picks again. Right. A- and right. and it's it's amazing how they they do that all the time. Uh, what yeah, you think I of that? love that. It's it's just you know as a Patriots fan, I think there's a lot of fans who talk about the the so-called uh, Belichick WTF picks. You know, he, every year he he picks some guy you literally can't even find in the draft guides. Uh, you know, in the second or third round, and um, Patriots fans, I think, have have grown to to uh, dread that moment in the draft where you're really hoping for. I don't know Robert Woods or or whoever, and he you know he pulls out a Duran Harmon on you, and you just don't know what to say. I think that's actually always one of the more one of the more entertaining parts of the draft is uh, when they when you know uh, either you guys or, or or ESPN doesn't have the clip for that player 
and, and I, I think he actually does that too intentionally, just just to tweak everybody, just to mess uh, with people that he knows yeah. something a little better. Yeah, <laughs> he went with three Rutgers guys, right? Three right. Rutgers guys, right? And, and he's done that before too. Uh, he, you know, he get, he'll get a mania about a school every year. Yeah, Florida, triple dip, Alabama, yeah, Florida, last year. right? Alabama, Notre Dame. He's done that with before. So yeah, yeah, he, it's. You know he's an he's an odd guy, but and he's a strange guy to have to root for. But it it kind of works. Well, yes, it does work. Um, yeah. Although you know, obviously everybody likes to point out how long it's been since they've won their Super Bowls, but they yes. constantly win. And there's yeah. no doubt in my mind that when the Jets chose Geno Smith, it was another one of those Belichick our back like moments where he just kicks back, hands behind his head, and <laughs> lights up a cigar. <laughs> That's what it struck me as. How did the Geno Smith pick strike you, Matt? Oh, I mean, first the first thing that, that I noticed about that pick was your reaction. You just lit up immediately uh, when, when that happened. You could just smell the you know the year year worth of controversy. <laughs> yes, you picked up on that. <laughs> With the 39th pick in the 2013 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Geno Smith. Oh, they go ahead and do it. Oh, my Lord. And Tebow's still on the roster. Let the good times roll, baby. Oh, there's not enough space on back pages for this one. They're kissing each other. What does it mean? What does it mean? I was like, bring it, baby. That's why I said, let the good times roll. Let the good times roll. It was a. It was just such an incredibly weird tone deaf pick. I mean, who knows? I, I I think he. You know, he might end up being a really good player, but you know, they've just set the guy up to. It's just exactly the wrong time to make that move. You know, they don't have anybody on offense for the guy to throw to, and um, you know, the team is going to be terrible, terrible probably, and he's still got. Mark Sanchez hanging around, and you know how is that all going to work? I mean, the kid's head's going to explode by week one. I just, I just feel for him. Yeah, I mean, it just, it does seem to me again where if you're not going to commit to him now, and he's supposedly, I listen to Mike Mayock. Obviously, I take my lead from him on everything. He says he's not ready, mm-hmm. and and I bet in in the same way, you know, Kaepernick wasn't ready when he was drafted in a similar spot two years ago. Right. The the question is 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 there going to be that laboratory this year in which Geno Smith can toil away and work and study in in the most functional way as opposed to out in the open, in the spotlight, and dysfunctional. And I don't know if, if, if things are going to happen where he's forced to play or I don't understand how it's going to work out well, he, in that Mark regard. Mark Sanchez is exactly not the veteran you want to – you know, stash your your prospect quarterback behind for a year while he, you know, uh, takes care of the team, uh, you know, sort of as a placeholder. I think, you know, in the crucible of New, of New York fandom where, you know, Sanchez is going to be throwing horrific picks into triple coverage, you know, the, the, the fans are going to be screaming for Smith by the first quarter of the first game. We all know that. And so I, I just don't think it's going to be a situation like, you know, uh, Kaepernick in, in San Francisco or, or Brady behind Bledsoe. It's just not, it's not going to be like that. I mean, this, this, this poor kid's going to have to play right away. And if, he, if he's not great right, right away, he's going to be, 
it's just going to be a disaster. I don't know. We spoke about it. It's immensely amusing to the rest of us. We spoke, like, as you I'm I'm glad you caught on that. I mean, maybe everyone did, too. Uh, I just saw your smile immediately. Oh, man. It was just like, this is delicious. Like, it was a big, fat, 16-ounce filet mignon, medium rare, stuck right in front of me with a fork and knife and just, like, I mean, or Brontosaurus burger that tipped over my car like Fred Flintstone. And, and it was just, I, I smelled it from the beginning, but I mentioned it before, and I'll, I'll say it again. It just strikes me again that Sanchez is, is the guy you either need to rehabilitate or release. Right. Because, right. because the fan base, and I said this to Mayock on the air, and he shook his head at me like he always does. Um, you know, at this point, it's just like I feel. I feel like the eight-year-old with the father who's never who, who never appreciates what the kid says with Mayock. <laughs> but the bottom line is, is that Sanchez, when he ran up the ass of Brandon Moore <laughs> on Thanksgiving, was dead to Jets fans. It was over. Right at that point, right. it was over. And Rex right. Ryan even had to go went went with his seventh round Alabama kid in Greg McElroy, who right. ripped the team. Uh, on radio in the previous offseason had to turn to him. And right. then he got his rear end beat up so bad that the Jets were forced to go back to Sanchez one more time. Right, and, and that horrible. Right. Yeah. Th- that whole sequence to me is he is dead to Jets fans, where he is one first mistake away. If he has to play week one and some young wide receiver that really hasn't learned the offense trips, falls down, and the ball goes straight into the breadbasket of Darrell Rivas, who goes six the other way, it is over. Doesn't matter what happens in the preseason. And the entire karmic power of the universe is going to be making that happen. You know, yeah. I want that to happen yeah. so bad. Hey, back off, masshole. But, I mean, <laughs> yes, you're right. The, do, am I, it does feel like the karmic football karmic of the universe. Right. Is and and Ryan because it does every move that Tannenbaum made. Think about it, every risky move that he made, signing Tebow, extending Sanchez, giving Revis the ability to not have the franchise tag slapped on him. Mm-hmm. Every risky move he made went south. Oh yeah, it all went sideways. Yeah, every every single one, and this is going to be. Antonio Holmes is a perfect example too. So all that—that's your karmic, right? The the universe right there, and and so to me, Sanchez, you either need to spend every draft pick rehabilitating him, or every draft pick or any move getting rid of him, no matter how expensive it is. And it seems that their plan is to just compete. Take the fork in the road, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, they're 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 treated this is like uh you know the Robert Frost poem. I mean they they're, they're they've got two clear paths that they can they can go down and either one of them would probably be fine uh as a strategy and they're and they're and they're doing both and neither, which has been the kind of consistent MO of that of that uh organization for a couple of years now. And I, and I'm not saying that just cuz I'm a Pats fan, but you know, it's uh I can hear the smile in your face too. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's 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 too bad. I mean, I think um, you know they had a they had a really good team there for a couple of years, and and they 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 really had a chance, and then they just did some really weird, inexplicable things, like almost like they were getting high in the off season, you know, doing bong hits and, <laughs> and coming up with this like, oh, let's sign Tim Tebow. I mean, that that was just wow. a strange thing to do after after they extended Sanchez. It just it, it didn't make any sense at oh, all. Oh, good it, lord, it was. It was yeah. Beyond and and, and it, it, it worked out so miserably where they hired the wrong offensive coordinator too. Um, 
at any rate, I, before I let you go in the last 10 minutes that I have here, I'd love to get your thoughts on the coverage of it. And I know you're a Twitter guy. Mm-hmm. Where do you stand on our networks and ESPN network stance of we don't tweet out the picks and we don't, uh, we don't cannibalize the commissioner's announcement, even though we would be able to with the information that, that the trucks have or, and or our information men might have before even our truck finds out the information when the pick is in? Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, obviously, aren't you? I mean, you're you're partners with the NFL, so whatever whatever they want, I I don't think there shouldn't be a. There's not an ethical problem with that, certainly. And I think it's good for the viewers to to have a little bit of suspense. I I, I always watching the draft. I always like that kind of moment where you you're forced to stare at that one little bar at the bottom of the screen when it says the selection is in, and you know your heart races while while you wait for the. Uh, for the call to come in, so I mean, I, I like it both ways. It, it, you know, it, it was it was uh, great though. You know, uh, before when you got to sort of watch to see who was on the phone and try to deduce who the pick was, um, but I, I think this works too. The only problem is that now there now there are other people who are cannibalizing the information and putting it out on Twitter. Um, ahead of the networks, so uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, what's your feeling about it? I mean, well, you must have thought about it a lot yourself. Absolutely. Uh, I I think that the draft as a television entity is in trouble mm-hmm. because really? yes, because there are there's a whole generation of people who watch something on television and then have a second window open at the same time mm-hmm. on Twitter. Mm-hmm. That's the way a lot of people like watching sports. Right. And there were and there were colleagues of ours, Jason Lockenfora of CBS Sports, Michael Silver of Yahoo. After he he, he cannibalized Peter the pick, King. Peter King. They were tweeting out the picks way before the commissioner got up there. And also, they some of these picks they have eight minutes in which to do it, more than on top of the ten, for instance, of the first round, because the league is stopping the events. Not the clock is constantly running for for the draft, but they're stopping the announcement to have a moment for first responders who come out on the stage. Or right. remember, uh, Joanne Druzy came out yep. right, uh, right, right before yeah. the, the, the Patriots pick, which Belichick traded away. Right, yeah. <laughs> of anybody to ruin that moment for the marathon, right? <laughs> but, but hey, you got to run your draft the way it is. But, but we're stopping, okay? Right. The NFL is stopping the proceedings using the platform to send a message that what it would like to send that we are the league knows that there's an obscene number of people watching certainly for an, an event that is technically names being called off into a microphone mm-hmm. and more people are watching this on our network and, and ESPN than say whatever NBA game playoff game was going on against it. Yep. Oh yeah. So no, the league is using that yeah. moment, and yeah. so we're you know we're we're not announcing the pick. The commissioner's not announcing the pick. He's using this moment for that. So. To me, if you are, if we we could sit there and say, oh, by the way, the pick that's being preempted right now is uh, Minnesota's got the pick, and it's going to be Cordero Patterson. But let's go down to the stage right now and hear what Joe Andrews has to say. Right, we could do right. that, but we right. we don't because it's a television product. The Dion Jordan moment, for instance, at number three overall, we were all guessing sitting great. there on television. Uh, this has got to be Lane Johnson. It's got to be Lane Johnson. Oh, wait, it's Dion Jordan. The whole place went nuts. Did you know? No. No. Okay. Because so, so the truck because knows. The truck, Rich, the truck knows Rich because doesn't. yeah, the truck knows, Matt, because they have to once the information is in, they have to get the graphics and the tape ready. But uh-huh. Mayock and I and everyone on our set have told the truck, "Do not tell us what it is. We want to be surprised." And right. anytime we're sitting there guessing and we're wrong, you know, right. we're wrong 
because that's what we were doing sitting like people sitting at home. But if we're guessing we're right, people are saying, well, you knew the pick. We didn't. It's the same thing. But the bottom right. line is this. If you're sitting at home watch, with Twitter open mm-hmm. and it's already on Twitter that it's Dion Jordan and there we are on TV saying it's got to be Lane Johnson, you're thinking we're clueless. Right. You're thinking then when it's Dion Jordan, you're also thinking we're behind. How do you not know? Because I'm sitting on my couch. I already know. And you're the one running the draft. That's why I think the draft is a television commodities in danger because well, of because I of mean, Twitter in that regard. I, I'm sure if that's the case, I'm sure the NFL will eventually have to. I mean, it'll come to its senses and realize it's, it's, it's undercutting its own. You know, well, well they, we, they've already told us and ESPN don't do it. They've told the teams. Last year, Paul Allen was the only owner who didn't get that memo of all the people. He was live tweeting the draft. They had to call up the Pacific Northwest <laughs> and tell him, hey, Paul, want you, you know, we know you're a computer guy. You know how to work the off button. You right. know? So they told him to cease and desist. But uh, agents are calling. Uh, sure. All of our colleagues, like I said, Peter King and whoever, have people in the draft room who are just sending him a text, what it is. Um, right. So the... Uh, unless the commissioner threatens any information that we're going to find the snitch and tweet and and find him, I don't know if there's any way to put this genie back in the bottle. You saw it too for for the coverage uh, of of the Watertown shootout, right? Where there yeah. were there were what, that fellow, what's his name, Seth Manukin? Is that his name? Seth Manukin, yep. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, he yeah. was crushing the television. It was amazing reports. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a completely different kettle of fish, though. I mean, you know, in in television news. When you're covering something, you know, like that, like the Watertown shooting, I mean, I really want the networks to take that extra 30 seconds or a minute yes. to really make sure that they've got the situation correct. I mean, of course. you know, you know, speed is of the essence, but not to that degree. But in the NFL draft, where, you know, the information is all over the place, and, you know, if you get it wrong, you know, one out of 10 or one out of 20, it's, no, it's not that big a deal. You know, you're going to have a legitimate source who gave you the information. I I think it you know I think uh, you, you know now that I think about it you're right I think that t- that TV should probably go back to just competing with everybody else on Twitter and and you're certainly equipped to do that you got enough guys who have lines out to agents I'm assuming who yeah. and the teams so that uh, you you could have that information and uh, you know that would be cool too but I don't know it's it just seems like it's probably some marketing people in the NFL who want it this way and. They probably just aren't aware yet of, of what the impact. Well, no, I think here, here's what I think it is. Uh, the commissioner, in my mind, should be, and I've, I told this to him actually to his face, that, and he sort of again forward his brow. Everybody forwards their brow at me when I talk to him. Uh, I said he should be the Paul Revere of the draft. <laughs> He's the one who announces to everyone who's coming. Right. 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 And so if he is undercut by like two years ago, Marcel Darius being shown in the green room putting on his jacket. Mm-hmm. As the commissioner was strolling to the podium, right where you know what's about to happen, I think we've heard from fans howling that they hate that. So right. we no longer show a, a prospect on the phone. We never show what's going on in the green room with two and a half minutes to go. We don't tweet it out. We don't even like joke about. I think this there's a certain winter that's coming, and the guy's name is Winter. That's you know that <laughs> yeah. gets drafted. We don't even do that anymore because fans say that I'm concerned that. 10, 15 years from now, fans will be, well, I do want to know because I'm seeing it on my phone sitting right. here on my couch and right. you don't know it and you're either acting like you don't know it and I don't trust whether you're acting like you don't know it or you don't know it and you're clueless because I know it's sitting on the couch. That's my concern that there's now some mass media that's there 
that's more immediate than television. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, but Rich, I don't know. I mean, the, the TV coverage is such an institution that, that for, for people who love the draft, there's no way that people are ever going to go to following the draft any other way. One of the you TV stations is, is, going, is always going to be on. And, uh, you know, I, I just I don't think it'll be, ever be any other way because cause that's the, the TV presentation is just so much part of the enjoyment of the process. I mean, it's... It's not just a bunch of guys reading off picks. It's it's the commentary. It's the you know the the interplay between all of you guys. I mean, I thought I thought the highlight of the whole draft for me was on day three when when you and Mayock were pulling out the lines from stripes. Uh, you know, I mean, I, for Mayock to nail that line without tripping on the third day of the draft, I thought he should get a Peabody Award for that. I mean, that was that was incredible. And and you know, you, that's part of the whole thing okay. is, is watching. It's also watching you guys slowly go crazy over a couple of days because you've been on air for you know ninety seven <laughs> consecutive hours. Yeah, um, that that's incredibly enjoyable for us us viewers uh, to watch all that. And yeah, I mean, obviously the issue of who you know who gets the news out first is is, is a big part of it. But I, I think you're you're under underrating the the viewers' enjoyment of the rest. of the Okay, world. well, it makes me feel a little bit better because, like I said, <laughs> I, I just see where where this is going. We're going to have televisions that have Twitter feeds maybe on the TV screen. I mean, That's you know, definitely going to happen. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, can, yes. I, can I just say one thing about all this? Cause yes, Chris Lowe. I, I heard the picks person in my ear because I was in the, in the truck, if you will, and I know when that pick's coming in. And after that is when a lot of these tweets were going out. So a lot of these inside information men that are tweeting it out, it's not from their sources. They're getting it from someone that's slipping it along the way, whether it's the Nike person printing the jerseys in the back, whatever it is. Uh-huh. So if, uh-huh. if it was actually their information that they're getting and they're tweeting right. it out, great. But they're just taking information that's fact and sending it out like it's their knowledge. That's where I had the problem. Well, it is their knowledge because it's maybe they you never know how they're finding it out. Well, that's but. how though. It's yeah, after think, the official pick you're, is you're, made. You're cheapening the yeah, whole cheapening idea of how journalists what, get information. Exactly that, what, what, what Glazer said was, "Hey, if I get the pick, if I know who a team's targeting three hours in advance, I'll tweet it out. But 45 mm-hmm. seconds before the commissioner walks to the podium, who, what am I doing there? I'm, I'm cannibalizing." Some, someone else's show or audience. That's right. where I had a problem with Lock and Fora and those guys doing it because it wasn't their 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 sources telling them who the pick is going to be. In most cases, in, in some it may have been, no. but in others it was they just knew the pick from the truck. And you know that's that's not really. I could have been tweeting it out the same as those guys, and I don't have a source in any sure. locker room knowing that. Sure. So that kind of downgraded it for me a little bit. Yeah. No, I I totally agree with. I mean, look. I'm not in the sports business. I'm in the, in the news business, but I, I think you know, in our business too, the, there's been just way too much of an emphasis on on speed and who's first and who's ten seconds faster than the next guy, and just not enough emphasis on you know thinking about things, getting it right, developing sources, doing all that, and um, you know, yeah, okay, if you if you got if you got the name 45 seconds ahead of somebody else because you overheard something somewhere. Yeah, good for you, but that's that's kind of not the same thing as I don't know as developing sources and 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 getting it. But those guys, I don't think none of those guys were hearing the same feed you were having, Chris. I mean, they they're probably getting it from from. I mean, Silver was probably sitting in his house. He's he's got everything. Wi- I mean, he's got everything wired, and if he knew it, he was tweeting it out. And the funny thing is that he then he then tweeted out. 
hey, I'm going to be on NFL Network's Top 100 right. uh, reaction show. Tune in. Did you see what I responded? I yeah. said, not if you're going to be tweeting out the picks before they air, Mike. <laughs> you're not going to be on that, Mr. Killjoy. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I can't <laughs> confirm how they got it, but I know that there was Yeah, be careful, because Lock and Four will come find you, and he will throw down. There were hundreds of people that had that knowledge in advance that weren't tweeting it out, and yeah, in well, that time frame. I mean, I was here at Network was watching, and I was just... I didn't even have my Twitter on. I, I mean, I yeah, I had, I had obviously had a, uh, the only feed that I had were the ads reply to me. I, I turn, I, I didn't look yeah. at, I didn't look at the Twitter feed because I didn't want to know. As a host of the draft, right? I wanted my reactions to be as immediate as yours at home because that's the only way that you could broadcast. And I think if Matt, what you said is fascinating about being first in the news business. Twitter is becoming a. a I mean, what a beast it is! It's, it's, it's a blessing, sure. and it is a beast. Yeah, it's. I think it's a net plus uh, because you do get more information. You get more more people out there connecting with each other, and and there's there are more leads to follow. But on a breaking news story, man, do they, does a lot of bad information get out there and get followed up by legitimate journalists too? I mean, that that's a lot of mistakes get made. I mean, I I, I don't if you if you notice in the first couple of days of NFL free agency, you know there was this whole epidemic of, of people who created fake Twitter accounts and they announced that, you know, so-and-so was signing with this team or that team. And those things got picked up by real reporters who just didn't know the difference and it created a lot of confusion. And that's, it's okay, I guess, if it's just, if it's the NFL, but, it, you know, if it's the Watertown shooting or 9-11 or something like or that. Or the Dow, right? Didn't the Dow dip because somebody hacked the AP account? Well, yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. And that, cause, cause it triggered all those yeah, high frequency like 200 points or something. Yeah, it's a nightmare. So, uh, you know, that, there's there's a reason why, you know, you have fact-checking and you have, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, of a waiting period before you put news out in the air. And, and Twitter is just so immediate that um, that whole thing is gone, you know. So it's just something we have to reckon with, I guess. Well, listen, I'm glad you, you had the time, Matt. Uh, like I said, I'm a big fan of your work. I follow you on Twitter. I mean, it's all good. And I'd love to have you back on, you know, as the season progresses and get your thoughts preseason, training camp. You have such a unique take on things. I'd love to get you back on. I definitely want to, I want to watch your, your 40 next year live at the Combine. So, so Do you want to come to Indianapolis? Is what you'd like to do? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm going to, Inside, I'm going to, yeah. They, they threaten to send me every year, so I'd love to go next oh, year. Oh, you should. Oh, let me tell you something. You, <laughs> uh, I mean, just because I, I, I read... I read the 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 your, I read your blog and the draft Nick in you just drips off the page. Okay, <laughs> nothing. I mean, nothing is what do you say more less well rounded than the combine. <laughs> I mean, the draft is close because you're sitting on your ass listening right. to people read names and watch a clock go down. Is essentially what you're doing right. with the combine now. The combine, you're watching guys just run in straight lines and round cones and lift weights and take right. tests and sit in in uh, in eggs and jump. That, that, that 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 count your body fat and jump. And it's like to me, our combine coverage. It's two weeks after the Super Bowl. Everybody is jonesing for football again. Everybody's O and O again, right? And you're looking at each guy running, thinking that guy can help my team, right? And you, it's right. the same thing. It's to me, it's it's like the Yule log of NFL Network. You just stare at it. It's the same hum or music in the background. In seven hours, in you're wondering what the hell have I been doing all day with my life? <laughs> yeah, but 
that's what makes it so cool. It's like the ultimate broadcasting challenge. Like, how do you how do you keep it up for all those days? You know, by the time you know the defensive backs are doing their drills, whatever it is on Monday. I mean, you're still out there. It's it's just it's a marathon. It's it amazing is to watch. And you hear the hum of the uh, air conditioning unit of 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 Lucas Oil. <laughs> Lucas Oil. Okay, stadium. because it's it is it is quiet. So I'm I'm part golf announcer, part track and field announcer with Mayock next to me talking about ankle flexion and hip snap and all sorts of craziness and uh and being quicker than fast or faster than quick and you guys ever just want to just reach across the set and grab each other by the neck i mean does that ever happen well or? yes because <laughs> <laughs> he's no listen mike is the greatest he but he is raw and uncut and hardcore like it's perfect i because right. i mean we're talking manti teo towards the end of the first round and rightfully so in my mind and part of the reason why is because of mayox nbc nbc uh, notre dame coverage put the guy on a pedestal with right. his fake girlfriend you know, right, and right. and so at any rate, so we we send a reporter to Laie, Hawaii. Alex Flanagan drawing the longest of short right. straws. Okay, getting that gig, and <laughs> she's there. We spend the resources on it. it. We're now entering the Teo zone from seventeen on. I probably didn't mention his name thirty times, maybe in a span of two hours. And I, I even admitted that. on the air there are some people who want us to stop talking about him because I saw my Twitter feed and Mayock says on live television, yeah, there's even somebody on the set like that. Yeah, I saw him. I saw him roll his eyes literally, like all the he way did. over. He was head, so mad. You know, like I know, owl. but that's yeah. not—he's not mad at me. He knows I'm doing a job, but people at home think he's mad at me. <laughs> but I went to dinner with him. I spent Charles Davis, who was on this podcast before. Mm-hmm. He, Charles, and I—you know—went out with his daughter and a bunch of other people from the network after spending an absurd amount of time together. You know, mm-hmm. we we genuinely like each other, but at times he's so hardcore. Right. So maybe yes, maybe one day he and I will throw down for everybody's viewing pleasure. I'd probably lose. He got on you. At so that's why people have to tune in every single time because it, it's going to happen eventually. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah, that's why I take my deer antler spray before each and every broadcast. That. <laughs> <laughs> That was fantastic. Yeah, I'm glad you liked that. I thought that up in uh, you know j- January in the middle of the night. I'm like, I need to put antlers on a on a spray aerosol can. I, I think you should get even bigger antlers next. Year. <laughs> you should get like a full blown antler. Yeah, like an actual elk, right? <laughs> right we'll go elk right. spray. Hey, I got to right. be cutting edge, Matt. Thanks again, man. Everybody should uh, go check out his Thai blog. Right? Is that how I, I would pronounce right, right. that? Right? Yep. On uh, RollingStone.com. RollingStone.com, and um, just uh, and follow you at Matt Taibbi, correct? On Twitter at M Taibbi. At M Taibbi. Oh, see, I didn't button that up. That's bad, measurable on my part. At M Taibbi uh, on Twitter, and thanks again for coming on. All right, thanks, Rich. It's been a pleasure. You bet. Same here. That's the contributing editor from Rolling Stone, the draft Nick, and the man who's going to be hanging with me at the Combine next year here on the Rich Eisen Podcast. Matt Taibbi, everybody. At M. Taibbi. That was great. How cool is he, huh? Never, I'd really never spoken to him before. No, I... I just I, reached out to him when after I read his blog and I knew Dan... Any, anybody who's on Dan's show is fine with me. You know, it's sort of like a... The perfect vetting service. Oh yeah, absolutely. In that regard, and, but I'm a huge fan. I read of back his. through his decode the draft article. Oh, it's amazing stuff. And obviously, yeah. I mean, he writes for Rolling Stone. Do you extremely. read his other stuff? I, I haven't gotten into a lot wow. of it. Wow, going to. I, mean, I started. Just, I started following him around the election, and uh, he reads. He, with a, he writes with a certain fire. And he does. Brimstone. He brings it, and um, just the way he writes, and just obviously, I love speaking to people who have just a different angle on yeah. life. You know. 
and I wasn't trying to get on those guys, but that ticked me off during the draft coverage because, like, Lock and Four. For well, example, you were really calling them out on Twitter. I called out Lock and Four. If you don't, he, for CBS is a league partner, and as is if you work for CBS, NBC, ABC, ESPN. You but know, some you, you people think, think that it doesn't ruin. But you the think coverage. Schefter doesn't want to do that? Like Schefter, of course should, he does. In, I think in even Rappaport? what did he write about? Uh, I, I think after the draft, I think his first tweet was, as I was so rudely interrupted at 8 o'clock. Yeah. Of course, it kills Schefter to look down at his so, Twitter and people are tweeting out stuff that he might have even known 30 seconds yeah, before he saw the tweet. It's not inside. Listen, to me, that's not inside info. That's here's the known deal. information here's the that deal. they're tweeting out. Here is my philosophy, all right? And I know a lot of people think that we're behind the times. I might sound like a dinosaur that Twitter's first and best and whatever. But what puts a roof over our heads and feeds the kids and the clothes and all that stuff is the Shield, the National Football League. And if we're all doing well and if the league is crushing it, then it's great for all of us. It's great for all of us. Now, I'm not saying that – I don't want this being read that if somebody has something to report that's detrimental to the league, they shouldn't report it. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that at all. No, absolutely. You know, that there's safeguards and watch guards, and that's what the journalist, 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 journalism is there for. But for something like this, where we are blessed enough to have a sport in this fractured media universe to get that number of people right in the middle of the so-called offseason, sitting in front of a television set, watching people read names in front of a microphone, if that's what's working, don't ruin it. Don't poke holes in it. Don't bring it down. This is a good thing for everybody. Now, that's all I'm saying. Because I don't want to hear it from, from others who are doing what they're doing. And they think what they're doing is fine. And that may put a roof over their kids' heads. I get it. But if this draft TV product gets degraded, then it's not good for anybody. Here's what I equate so, it to. So that's all I'm saying. It, it, and I'll tell you what. And I'll tell this to Silver when I see him again. There is no top 100 show that premieres on 8 o'clock after the draft if there's no draft. Very true. So if you want to undercut the draft, maybe there's not going to be that chair in the top 100 show. <laughs> I can't wait till we have Silver on next. <laughs> well, I'll, 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 I mean, seriously. I take – I mean, this is – Oh, I, I got mad about it too. I don't, I don't blame you at 100%. all. Hundred percent. I equate it to this: if you're if you're somebody that gets an advanced copy of a movie screener and you're fortunate enough to have that, and then you go and you tweet out the ending to a to a criminal or a crime drama movie, what what are you doing? There? It's I the mean, same thing. Ruining... If, if 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 this did not right over here, Rockman <laughs> knocked over the Deloitte and Touche guy or whatever at, on the red carpet of the Oscars. You knocked them out. Took you them opened out. up those envelopes, right. steamed them open, and sealed them up. And you knew who was winning Best Actress. Yeah, this is a better analogy than mine. And that information is still out there as you're rolling through the nominees. It's as if you doing the same thing. That I know it's Gwyneth Paltrow or whatever it is. I know it. The information's out there. I want to know it. 
but you want to sit there and be surprised like everybody else and have the reaction. It's a show. It's a TV show. That's what the draft is. Entertainment. Live but it's moment. filled with, in, it's an information-driven television show. So if the information's out there, I mean, there was an entire... But what does it matter if you tweet it out 30 seconds before Dude, the commissioner Bleacher says it? Bleacher Report had every pick before the commissioner said it, I think. That they, they were tweeting it. If, if it's on Twitter, it's fair game. Now, it might not be accurate. But most every time that Lock and Four and Silver and, and Peter King were tweeting it out, they were spot on. The thing is, I can understand if you're away from a television and maybe you're out to dinner or doing whatever and you can, you want to follow along the they, draft. It, Dial up your Twitter. But do it two minutes later and you're still going to have it. Exactly. You don't, you don't need it but if you're watching the, t- watching the broadcast you, anyway, I'm then why would you, you have your Twitter open? We're dinosaurs twitter should have a dvr like pause button we're dinosaurs so when that's what i'm concerned about we're dinosaurs there are 15 year olds we're going to be in our spot one day they're going to be like why don't i know it when i can know it immediately and then and if you know the pick and you see me struggling up there with mayock to guess what it is and it's right you think we're acting you know what it is me and mayock and everyone else are struggling to guess what it is and we're wrong we're clueless but if you're tuning in you you like the drama and the drama of you guys maybe not knowing. I don't know. Ed Sherman of the Sherman Report, uh, one of the media critics, he wrote after round one that he knew all the picks. It didn't ruin it for him. I, I don't understand that. I'll never understand that. It ruins it. Do you know how many people get, like flipped out in the last few years? I've been pounding the table to try and get coaches not to call the draft picks. Yeah. Because that's what ruined it more than anything. We've seen a draft pick on the phone. So the league got the ESPN and us to just stop showing that. So that's been removed from the equation. I think it's all going to the minute the pick is in, we go to the Chiefs cam and Andy Reid reads it out. We cut the commissioner out of the process. And that 30, 60, 90 second, maybe three, four, five minute lag. Commercial free process. You take it out. You take it out. You take it out. And if a team... Leaks the information. Find. Find. Player's agent leaks the information. Player gets paid. Doc paid. Wouldn't that be something? I'm telling you, this draft is a goldmine. It is a godsend. Do you think the people in the NBA offices, when they see the numbers of a Knicks-Celtics game three of the playoffs and Major League Baseball, they see a a rating of an an ALCS game? NHL. Go on, one sport after another. They see the ratings of their top-rated playoff games, and they don't even combine. Stock them up. They don't beat the draft. Not even close. Don't. This goose is laying eggs, baby, Rich, and it's just turning a hue He's of red. He's, He's turning a hue of It drives me nuts. I mean, it's it the same color as his sweater right now. But all of those guys, we know them all. They've been on this podcast. We know them all. Good, cool dudes. All of them. No they doubt. will all sit there and say, I'm a journalist. I have this information. I'm tweeting it out. They'll all say that. You might be onto something with the coaches reading the picks. Like, how great would it be to see Belichick, Andy Reid, Mike Tomlin? These or guys send up a scout. Give the scouts a pop. Doesn't have to be the coach. But you can it do out. it from their draft headquarters. We pretty much damn have a, a camera in every spot right now. Sure. And that it w- cuts it out. That would be fascinating. So you don't you don't call somebody sitting in an orchestra pit. Writes it down, goes to another spot, 
They wait. Cut out, the commissioner, cut out the middle the commissioner, The commissioner's in the back at his green room. He's got some business to attend to. Yeah, but how's Ivan Reitman going to shoot his stuff. movie? You can still have the you commissioner. Still have it. The commissioner could say, it's now time for the Chiefs pick. Let's go, to, let's let's go, go to, to Andy Reid. Right. And the guy still comes out on stage. They still do the awkward man hug. All right. The whole thing is that somebody from the league office has to get receipt of this. They can't find out before. You know what I mean? Like, you still have to call somebody who's sitting in the orchestra pit to say, this is the official pick. I think. There's a way out of this, man. There's a way out of this. And right now, though, we haven't reached the point yet where more people watching the draft want it quicker. You heard what Taibbi said, that he they enjoy the presentation of it. Right. I'm telling you, we might be in another generation from now where, where young men and women who are tweeting their heads off are going to want to know it right away. And they're going to look, or, or they'll look at us like on TV, we're Stone Age people yeah, that's that we don't me, know. Like, you can't wait. I'm th- telling like, you, it's coming. It's coming. Can't wait 20 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming. What, what uh, for you, what was your favorite part of the week in, in, uh, in New York and the whole draft? <sighs> I don't know. Because that was, I think I think was doing, story you told was... I think it was doing the mock draft show for you. Ah, really? I got a lot of good feedback on that. Thank you, yeah. A lot of people saw that. I enjoyed, I, I enjoyed your polo times, shirt. Do you like with yeah. <laughs> so Rich gives me so much grief for the polo shirt, and then the polo shirt comes and he wears it on the show. Of course, I know it worked, yeah, out. Yeah. it worked out. It worked out. Looked great. It worked out. But I, I, I mean, no, seriously, that mock draft show was great. I got a lot, a lot of people watched it, and and if, when you watch it back, it only took five minutes for it to be blown completely to smithereens when <laughs> when Irvin told took Geno Smith second. It blew up the board. Almost. Boom. Blew up the board completely, completely. But with all, you know, I mean, it's difficult in this day and age where it doesn't cost that much to move up in the draft anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, for 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 us to figure out how who goes where. But I got a lot of good feedback from that. I don't. I'm, I'm really. I mean, I loved being on the with Strahan on, on the on the set, on the set of Kelly and Michael. That was fun. That, that was, was my fa- cool. that was my favorite segment. Uh, I mean, from it was the, good. From it was the special. It was, uh, we talked about this in the last one, but just seeing him interact with the crowd in between the actual show uh, segments. I mean, you think about how many players have gone from the gridiron to something else successfully in such a mass media way. There's not many of them, man. It's a short list. I, I very short list. For, for Jim me, Brown. I mean, Hall of Fame athletes. Hall of Fame athletes. Yeah. Going from one thing we to another. The juice before. The juice, like yeah, no. <laughs> I, I, listen, he for did a, for a little bit. No, he was for he was a long great. time. I think for me, the, the thing I was kind of found myself dumbfounded in is the room we shot the mock draft in. Uh, yourself, uh, Billick, Irvin, you guys had a meeting with the commissioner and with the VP of officiating, Dean Blandino, yeah, who we've the had commissioner. On here. The commissioner called uh, the network. And said, uh, clear an hour in their schedule. I'd, I want to have a meeting with uh, with the on-air people. Yeah, and he did and it. And we with, were all like, well, 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 what's uh-oh. the boss want here? <laughs> that was you the know? day we shot Mac Draft. Then he was doing it with uh, ESPN on Wednesday. It was like, an hour after I, sh- I interviewed him in his in his office. Exactly. So I got to sit in there because it was in the room the that they were shooting, we were shooting Mock Draft in. So I'm like a fly on the wall there just sitting. And they're going through the well, rule changes. What it turned out they, to be is, is Dean Blandino, the new uh, VP of officials, walked us through the presentation tape that's being given to all the teams and officials for the new rules, the crown of the helmet stuff. Oh, excellent. And why they wanted, why they were doing it, and what needs to be done for a flag to be thrown, yeah, the th- which, which was very educational to me, and I'll, I'll pass it along now. Yeah. 
Um, we have time, right? Yeah, no, we can. I think this something like this is 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 that for this new crown of the helmet rule. There's a lot of controversy about this. Very rule. much so. Very much so. The new crown of the helmet rule that a running back outside of the pocket, if he lowers his head and crowned and hit somebody, we see Adrian Peterson do it all the time. And in a couple of the videos that Blandino used was Adrian Peterson. Yeah. Yep. Um, flagged 15 yards from the spot of the foul. Yeah. So if I hit you in the crown of my hel- uh, helmet for 40, at the 45 and knock you over and go for another 50 yards, the penalties brought back to that 45 where you're hit and move back 15 yards. And so is you, it still first down? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. As long as as long as the as long as it was a first down, off, it still is a first down. Okay. If, yes. It could be second and seven if the 15 right, right, yards right. takes you to right. Is that um, what really I don't think has been pointed out are two things. One, it can be called on a def- defensive player too. Yeah. Yes, defensive players. So spe- it's essentially this, spearing. Essentially spearing, up. which is what Mooch brought up. Um, and on, a run, a, on a running play. No, on any play. Any play. Defense as long as it's outside of the tackle box. Yeah. Uh, which was one of the... Yes. Hmm. And the tackle box, the way they have described it, is from tackle to tackle, obviously. Three yards beyond the, the line of scrimmage. And infinity behind you. All the way back to your goal line behind you. So you can still lower the head basically at the line of scrimmage. To get through the hole. Yes, in between the tackles. Basically, goal line goal line situations, you can right. ram your head in there, too. Right. But, you know, there's a couple, and it was fascinating. It was in the, in the, uh, officiating, command in the officiating command center. So, so you're surrounded by all these DVRs and machines that they're sitting in every Sunday and Thursday night and Mondays as well. And uh, the commissioner was in there, too. He was fully engaged. So, fully engaged. So were the hairs- I mean, seriously, like arm sleeves rolled up right at the table with everybody. He wasn't like, you know, the guy in the back of the room. Let the, you know, he let everybody do their thing. But when when somebody said something he didn't agree with, right back at him. And Mayock was so my arms. Too. That's when the Woo, hair on my arms went up. Baby. May- Mayock challenged the first thing, and he's like killing Dean and and and, Rod, and just being like you can't change this you're cha-. and I'm just like wow and Roger went right back right at back him. at him and it's and, like this is and why it, but and... but it but it was all cool. it's all cool yeah friendly it's all cool but it was it was an open book uh Marshall had uh a bout of the stomach flu yeah he, he, he ate something bad the night before he played hurt Thursday night really? two eight I don't know if he wants people to know that but he wasn't in the room that would have been Special because him and Mayock have been the two most outspoken. Because he does and, not like this rule. And at all. Uh, I mean, when you guys talked about that on the special, I you know spliced in some sound bites of people in opposition, and the two bites I used was Mayock and, and Marshall. Right. Which I so really Mayock was in the room. Yeah. Mayock was in the room. At any rate, uh, that's one thing. You know, defenders can be dinged for this thing. Two is that there are three rule part portions. Of the of of the uh, play that must be met for this to be a penalty and a fine. One thing is, yeah, and if the penalty is not called, they'll fine you they'll for it. They'll still fine you. Yep. yep. One thing is that you have to line the guy up square up. So if it's on an angle, it's fine. Yes. Yes. So, like for instance, out of the tackle box on the goal line, sometimes they lower their head going for the pylon as they're diving for a touchdown sideways. as they're diving sideways. Leading with their head. That's okay. Not a penalty. And they showed, how many times they showed Peyton Hillis going for the, I mean, this big monster yeah. coming out of the backfield with, a, with running down a hill as he can, aiming for the pylon, lowered his head, lowered his shoulder, not a penalty. So it's really a very specific scenario where have a penalty to line, will I have be. To, I, like, I am like, squared up. You're in front of me as a defender. 
I am a running and back, it, and I am heading towards you. Then I lower your head. Then you hit with the crown and or the hairline, which for me, you know, I was going to bring up at one point. Well, <laughs> hairline for some is not hairline for others, but it was a little too serious a moment to have that with, you know, with RG1 sitting there. <laughs> okay. But you hit with the crown or the hairline and then deliver a forcible blow. Now, that's where you get a little bit like where you got to be like an American Idol judge. Yeah. What's forcible, what's not, as it happens. That's why I brought up review this thing, man. Make this stuff reviewable, but they, it's, they're not there yet. I mean, this league. is going to be bang-bang for these officials, too. They have said, though, that they're telling the officials to err on the side of caution for penalty. The fine they can come with, but they need to make sure that all three Yes, so this elements- is not going to be one of those things like where, where, uh, where there's a ball on the ground and they swallow their whistle. You know, because they want to keep the play going. Yeah, it's similar to that in the fact that they're gonna—they don't want the whistle blown unless they really see it. Okay, and that that if they don't—if they don't ding you for it, they're gonna get you for it with the FedEx letter on the the FedEx letter, which is gonna be because what they want—and they showed a couple of these plays. I mean, when they showed a couple of these plays, and then they froze it, and then you saw the guy's guy's shoulders essentially get as high as as the top of their head well, for, because of how their head has gone underneath the shoulder pads. Well, for me, the play thing. last year was Trent Richardson blowing well, up the guy from the that's Eagles. That's why they call this the Trent Richardson rule. I mean, And, and when you see that, it is just you, you get the sweats looking at it. because And they said that they have spoken to so many head specialists head. on this, and they say to a man or woman who they have spoken to on this has said that they don't understand how there hasn't been a catastrophic injury on this type of hit. That yeah. the, that the wow. league is lucky that there hasn't been a catastrophic injury based on this type of hit. And when Ooh. they slow it down and they show it to you like that, and you know Mayock, who's against it, when, when they show you that, you can see him almost being like... By yeah. the end of it, plus, it, it, plus it's got to be those three rules. Yeah. So there were, they showed a couple of plays, too, where the running back lowered his head and hit somebody, but it was just in the sort of the way things developed. It wasn't like I'm seeing you, you're seeing me. I'm going to hit you and deliver a blow to you that you're not going to forget right in your sternum with my head, which Peterson does a lot, yeah, a they, lot. Yeah, they okay, that a few that's times. out. That's out there. Did like, they show the one against the Steelers a few years ago when he ran over? It? They just used last yeah, year. Okay, just used okay. Last year. okay. But it was against the Bears. Right. He had seven yards to make a decision to go right or left. And he and just instead, went straight. He went straight and lowered his head, which it's fine to go straight if your head's up. But he went straight and then speared at the guy right in the middle of his and chest. And it's fine if he, if he lowers his shoulder and hits him with his shoulder. Yeah. That's no problem. But to me, that was – just sitting there, I, that's not an opportunity that comes or presents itself to many people yeah. very often. And uh, I was just like, wow. And this they is, showed some other rules of cool. emphasis, stuff, stuff that they did uh, that, that's coming on the – Line of scrimmage for field, for field goals and extra points to protect the long snappers and the tackles. Like they, they, some teams are putting three on three guys right on one tackle. This poor guy for an extra point. That's it's like a it's like the NFL's version of a penny. Yeah, you know, like you don't need it. It's it's stipulated. They, Fine, take a penny. Here's a penny. It's like the PAT. It's like ninety nine point seven percent true. And this poor guy is getting blown up by three guys as the kicks away. Boom! Getting hammered. That's out. You could see uh, they were they would dive at the long snapper on oh, punts and, and just go at his arms and his legs. And, and Irvin, I think it might have been Mike. I'm not sure it was. Was like that's just wrong. I can't believe why would they do that. And, I and said and I said John to Mooch. Kondo, I said to game. I said to Mooch, and and I'm like, what what is the purpose of that? Well, well, what it is, might have been you. That, yeah. I, so I said I'm like, what in the world is you know what basically WTF? 
what the hell? And 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 Mooch is like, you take out a team's long snapper, you're probably going to win the game. You win the game. And what was that game? The, Ra- the, Raiders, the Raiders against Raiders. the Chargers, yeah. Monday Night Football. Remember right. that? The guy was bowling, basically <laughs> right. rolling it back to the punter. Yeah, right. their, their long snapper condo got hurt. So teams are like just going at him. And the league is mm. like, no, no. So it's just fascinating to see all this stuff. And and, no, and none of it none of it was talking about lawsuit this lawsuit that or and when I asked the commissioner and the and the special about the rules of the game softening the game right and not, people not are looking da- at it like NFL. it's not right. your father's NFL anymore that was uh, that wasn't a fun moment for me but I mean I got to ask the question and and God bless this man he makes. He, Afterwards, you were there. Yeah. It wasn't like, get out, or that was tough. Why did you ask me this or that? Nothing. Don't. We yeah. went went on his, I mean, nothing. You sat at his desk and took a nothing. picture. Nothing. Yeah, right that's where we took that. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Nothing. Zero. But he, but within the parameters of the interview, he, I don't think, you know, he, he, it definitely bristled him because he sees all of this information and he hears all this information and if he doesn't do anything, then he's derelict of duty, in his mind. Yeah. And, you know, I said, you should take what you've just done for us, tweet it out. Tweet it out. You know, like the, the Blandino uh, um, presentation. That was cool. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 27 no. hours of live coverage <laughs> will make things go like a blur. Uh, anything else? We got anything else? Unless uh, this character were, uh, we could use a, well, an international I'm going to do an international out. shout out, but before we get to that, a couple weeks ago, we were thanking everyone who kind of helped make the podcast possible, Sure. and I received uh, some heat from the former previous television producers, uh, Spoon, Spundin Daftery, and, and Jason, Jason Kleinman. Kleinman. Okay. That we did not mention them. Well, maybe because they, le- they left for Fox. <laughs> maybe because they left for Fox. <laughs> You uh, know, if you stick around here, let's you know sure. to the victors go the spoil. Of course, well, Spoon, was, Spoon was saying how he's like he's like I was listening to the special and I just kept waiting. Okay, now they're going to mention me. Now they're going to mention oh, me. And never did. No. I mean, he created the look of the TV he did. show and the theme music. The logo, and the, the logo that's on the shirt, he created that, didn't he? No, that Spoon? was graphics. But, uh, but he, he, he didn't might have, have had a, to he do might it. have had a work in it. I but, really don't. But the, but the theme music. I mean, I still the use, shower curtain was his. The, the shower, shower curtain, curtain Spoon, and I still use the same music. But but anyway, I wanted to give those guys a shout out because we forgot last. Time. Well, we're on it. Adam Taylor was a big help in mock draft as well, and I I shouted out and I forgot go. him last week. Very so. good. Um, and I do I, have an international. I've got shout a, out I've got like, like one. These two guys. Uh, as soon as I was done on Saturday, uh, these two blokes from the UK, who God bless them, were there all day Saturday. Oh, nice. One of them, uh, they came up to me. Uh, one of them was wearing a Punters of People two T-shirt. Is it the one that Ben Liebenberg sent the photo of? I don't know. You got two guys in the front row going maybe nuts. Them. But they're, see- they're they're two guys from the UK. And I asked them, you know, let's take out a picture. I'll tweet it out. What's your Twitter? They said neither of them are on Twitter. And one of them said, we'll join it if it'll help you out. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Like, no, 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 no. But so that means that they wore the T-shirt. Not, you know how we tweet all this stuff yeah, out? Yeah. D- Nothing. Didn't know. It was, it was going into a, a, the darkness That's with amazing. them. They're, they're, just, they're just consumers well, of, I tweeted of the network it out. and the when, when we showed the Browns draft party, mm-hmm. there was a guy wearing a Punters of People t-shirt in the front row going nuts. Is that Reggie Hodges? <laughs> Could have been. <laughs> it was great. I, I, thought, I thought it was awesome. That's cool. But, and I know. A, a big thanks to those six stand-ins as well. That was fun, too. Those Sidebottom? Are, Andy yes. Sidebottom? Oh, yeah. Actually, I do have that as well. Do you have we'll, that? We'll play as well. Um Kara, uh, whenever she was on the podcast, had 
got a good laugh out of the last name of Sidebottom, as, as we all did. And uh, then challenge. I think she asked if, his, if 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 he went by. Is it a Drew Sidebottom or an Andy Sidebottom? <laughs> but he was there, and he says it's Andrew. It's Sidebottom. Side yeah, and uh, so Rich, the challenge was extended to you during the draft coverage to yes. work in the term Sidebottom. Smorgasbord, smorgasbord, nefarious, uh, shmata. Uh, not well. That was what Josh Charles wanted me to work in. That wasn't going to happen. Squishy, <laughs> squishy. Right. Uh, you got a hello, hello in there for, uh, for for patty cake, right? Yep. Hello. Um, when there's a shot of from high up above. So I'm I'm back here. I flew it's back amazing. from the draft. <laughs> hey, when you're on here for 27 hours, you get loopy. And there are opportunities. You got to take those opportunities. I flew back to LA for the draft, so I'm back here during coverage the one day. I think it was day two because yeah. I tweeted out. I was like, "Looks like, looks uh, like side bottom is right. down to day three with a few others." <laughs> Rich replies, "Not so fast. Just took out that inch, Morgan's Yeah, all in one, all in one clip, all in one clip. And uh, yeah, here's, clip. here's the uh, yeah, here here's the call of that, yeah. if you will. Looks like the 49ers have picked up. They've had a smorgasbord of picks. The San Francisco 49ers, and they have now apparently traded up uh, to select another player as the two quarterbacks, Matt Barkley and Ryan Nassib, are in danger of hitting side bottom. Matt Barkley and Ryan Nassib. There you go. Yes, we are. Uh, there you go. There you go. Worked it in there, huh? Nice. Amazing. Well done. Thank Pro's you so pro. much. Eh, why not? You got, your, uh, you got your international shout-out? Well, I got an international shout-out of the week. Uh, at uh, Met Happen, M-E-T-T-H-A-P-B-E-N, KC Cologne. He's from Cologne, Germany. Hey. For Bjorn Werner. International yes. shout-out for, for Bjorn Werner. For Bjorn Werner. We've been talking about it. Him and I have been exchanging tweets about Game of Thrones this week. So shout-out to you, show? sir. So the good. The mother of dragons. Well, I tweeted How out just something. I, I, I didn't want to give any spoilers or it. I just tweeted out, you know, Tywin Lannister is a G. And he wrote back, spoiler alert. I was like, ah, not so fast. Not so fast. Not so fast. But no he idea. is one of my favorite characters, Tywin. The, the, the dad? The dad. The yeah. dad. The dad. The final scene of this past oh, week so good. was intense. He's playing the game that uh, no one else really is. Oh, he's above it all. He, he's, he's essentially ruled. He is, he, he is the lord of the realm. Tywin Lannister. So far. So far. So far. Uh, do you know what's happened? You know what I, I don't. I'm not, I'm not I reading read the books. The, I purposely don't read the books. I don't read the books. On HBO Rob Go? Stark, I, I, I have a They're feeling. all on HBO It's on HBO oh, yeah. Yeah. so I can catch up. Not yeah, looking yeah, yeah. good for Rob. Rob Stark's making some bad moves right now. Rob's, Rob Stark might. Rob Stark's uh, making Rob's, some bad moves. Rob Stark could be employed by the Jets, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> and the king of the North selects Geno Smith, quarterback. <laughs> West Virginia. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> we're two hours in. I think it's time. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're just two guests. Oh, we just Lord. almost hit two hours. Okay, thank you, Chris Law. Thank you, Rich. Always, thank you, at Chris Law. I want to thank again uh, at CFD22, Charles Davis. Charles Davis. I want to thank at M Taibi, Matt Taibi. I want to thank you at Chris Law, at Chris Brockman. Good thank to you, Rich. To you. I'm uh, at Rich Eisen for at the Eisen Podcast signing. And for all of us here at the Medill School of Journalism, thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. Stay listening, friends.